We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. Tonight, we are going to talk about the pending decision of Braylon James, who today announced the final three of Notre Dame, TCU, and Stanford. Also looked very, very heavily at programs like Texas and LSU, but it's a situation where Notre Dame has really been charging hard on him for a while. So before the show starts, I want to kind of let everybody know the times tonight. So Braylon is set to make his decision around 7.30. So that's why we are coming on a little early so we can kind of lead into it. Okay, so his decision will happen around 7.30. Knowing CBS Sports, it probably won't happen right at 7.30. They got to get their talking heads and their commercials and all that kind of stuff, which I'm cool with. You got to pay the bills, baby, right? It's all good. So, uh, but that'll be the reality. But, but until then, we're going to kind of talk about the why this is why this is an important you know recruitment for Notre Dame. Why Notre Dame needs tonight to go well for them. We'll talk about Braylon as a player. We'll talk about his recruitment. We'll talk about a lot of different things. Then we will carry his announcement. The plan is to carry his announcement. We should be able to, to make that happen. We don't have any, we've tested everything out beforehand to make sure everything was working. And so, you know, we'll kind of get it rolling then. And then uh, as we kind of, as we kind of dive into the post, you know, commitment uh, discussion, we'll talk about what it means for Notre Dame one way or the other. We'll have some special guests on and do all those type of things, Ryan, but let's, Let's first set the stage, Ryan. I believe that there's some some discussion of why this is a big recruitment for Notre Dame. The obvious ones are, okay, he's a top 100 player. ESPN just jumped him. So he's gone up in the rankings recently. On 3 Sports did a, a new release of their rankings, which I'm still trying to figure out what is new since they did the <laughs> last one like a month ago. Yep. But it worked out well for – some Notre Dame guys, right, and some Notre Dame targets. Dante Moore went from forty nine to forty five, and I think a, you know a Don Schuler went up a spot, and a couple guys dropped a couple spots. Uh, but uh, Braylon James was a kid who jumped up like twenty spots. He was two sixty seven, jumped up to two forty six, I believe. 
So he's a guy that went up a little bit. ESPN recently also did a rankings update. Theirs had been a while. They jumped him up from 67 to 46. Wow. So ESPN now ranks him as a top 50 recruit. Uh, 247 Sports has him still in the 120 range, but he is number 72 to them on the composite list. So that is that is kind of where he's from a recruiting. So obviously, obviously, Ryan, the first thing is, okay, big-time recruit. It's nice to get guys like that. But the bigger focus for me isn't so much on the ranking, Ryan. It is Braylon plays a position of very important need. The board for Notre Dame receivers is actually kind of small when you consider the numbers they need to get in this class, meaning there's probably, I'd say, seven or eight legitimate receiver targets on the board. They got to get four, right? And when we talk about we're talking Ronan Hannafin, we count as a receiver target. We're, we're talking about some guys like that. Uh, but – he is one of the guys that is obviously at the top of the board. He is a must-get grade-A player, and they're going to find out tonight if if they're able to get on the board. But receiver is such an important position for Notre Dame in this class, Ryan. They yep. have to they have to do well. And I hear I see all the people in the chat asking if you own any Irish breakdown gear. Yes, he does. But Ryan is traveling to South Bend tomorrow, mm-hmm. and so all his uh, Irish breakdown gear is packed. I got the hat on right. though. I yeah, got the hat backwards. on. You can't really see it. Yeah, you know, I know. I get it. I get it. We'll get I you an it. Irish breakdown hat that has like a logo right there or right there so people know. Uh so that's why Ryan, Ryan, I gotta get I gotta get him some more gear. It's a process, everybody, but we'll get him some more gear. Uh, but uh I don't really care as much about the gear. I care about the content. And Ryan mm-hmm. provides great content. Speaking of Ryan, mm-hmm. what we're we talking about this the receiver's an important player, and when one of your top of the board guys commits. I mean, if you're going to get to that next level and close the gap, you got to land those type of guys. And to me, Braylon James is that kind of guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife likes to think of herself as a coffee expert. So when we decided to give Trade Coffees a try, she was excited to see what they had to offer. And we were not disappointed. After figuring out a short quiz that matches you with just the right coffee, we received the Holmes blend from Sparrow's Coffee in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The Nostalgia Series blend that she received from Sparrow's Coffee made an immediate impression as soon as she opened the box. And once she brewed the Holmes blend the next morning, she was able to enjoy a rich, smooth cup of coffee with a very robust flavor. My wife is quite picky about her coffees, but you can be sure that she'll once again be buying from Sparrow's Coffee and we'll be going back to Trade Coffee for another shot at getting a tasty blend from a regional company. You have to give Trade's Coffee a try. Trade's Coffee team actually tastes thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. 
There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. What we learned is that Trade Coffee send you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters. Small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to substantially source the greatest beans from around the world. Trade's Coffee's experts personally taste over 450 roasts, so they know exactly what to recommend for you. Just answer a couple of questions and you get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as soon as you like. No gimmicks. Trade delivers a fresh bag of roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew it at home. And they guarantee you'll love your first order or they'll replace it for free. Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee. And right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of layers to why it's important. I mean, just from a structural perspective, I mean, after the 2022 season, you're talking about guys like Braden Lindsay being out of eligibility, Avery Davis, who's coming into his sixth year. You're talking about Joe Wilkins Jr. is most likely going to be out the door, right? So you're going to be losing – at minimum, three wide receivers, and who knows what's going to happen. Transfer portal, all that conversation, like you never do know with, with those, obviously, next steps. So I think that the need is obvious on the roster. Getting a top 100 player, like you said, is paramount. You need to be able to get those types of players. And I really do think that this is a big boost if Notre Dame is able to land Braylon James here in a little bit because Chancey Stuckey comes from Baylor. A lot of question marks, obviously, as a new wide receiver coach. You hear a lot of great things about him on the trail, even though he has very limited experience as a recruiter. But obviously, no one's off the board yet, right? Like you need to be able to land someone to really uh, to, to take that to the next step and to make it tangibly into a real conversation. So, right, like and, the board's I mean, impressive, he, right? Like it's an impressive oh, it's board, extremely. but it's like <laughs> none of them have ND next to their name. So it's exactly. Like, you know, at some point in time, you've got it. You've got to get on the board at some point in time. Let's talk about why that matters too, Ryan, why at some point in time you get off the board. Because right now, all the recruits know Notre Dame needs minimum three to four receivers in this class. And if there's nobody on the board, there's no rush for anyone that wants to be in the class but wants to go through the recruiting process to jump on board, right? It's like, you, you got four spots open, coach. Like, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yep. You you start getting guys in that class and all of a sudden like, okay, if you want to be part of this thing, you need to, you know, you need to make a decision here. So I, I think that's another reason why this isn't, I mean, there's just so many layers to why at some point in time they get on the board and look, let's be honest too. This is the first, this is going to be the first time in 2020 in the 2023 class, if they're able to get Braylon and some other decisions that as excited as we are about the new staff, Mm-hmm. none of the new coaches have landed a recruit yet because Marcus Freeman is the primary reason they got press and center. They hadn't even hired Al Golden yet. Right. And Peyton Bowen committed before this new staff was put together. And obviously his coach has, has been here. So, you know, obviously Dylan McCullough was able to get on the board in 2022 with Jabron, Jabron Payne, but you know, at some point in time, these, these coaches that we laud as great recruiters, which we think they are, you got to get on the board at some point in time. Right. And exactly. That's another reason why this is, why this is an important one for Notre Dame. And, and another reason too, is the fact that, I mean, Chancey Stuckey obviously has a little bit of an inside track coming from the state of Texas mm-hmm. to get into the 
into the fold with a guy like a Braylon James, a Texas product. And we've talked a ton about Notre Dame needs to start really hitting the state of Texas just in general, right? Like that's one mm-hmm. of the paramount states where you need to get a couple players each year because obviously, I mean, you don't have to go through the list to understand that Texas is a great producer of talent. Like it's just very obvious. You don't have to have a great eye or a great understanding to un- to know what the what they do as producers. So mm-hmm. you, you have to tap into there. And, I mean, Coach Stuckey has a little bit of an inside track again. I mean, he had immediate conversation. Obviously, Braylon James was on the board before he showed up, but things escalated very quickly after he was hired. So right. this is a paramount one for a lot of different reasons, where he's coming from, the position he plays, the caliber of player, a lot of different layers to this recruitment, like you said. I think the Chancey Stuckey piece was important. It's the only reason Notre Dame's even in this conversation, in my opinion, because you know I was talking to John Garcia earlier tonight. We were talking about Braylon's Braylon's recruitment, and you know early on, Ohio State was the team to beat. And then as Braylon, and this was like way a long time ago when Ohio State offered, and then Braylon kind of reshifted his focus of what he was looking for, and that's when Stanford kind of started to climb because he realized like, yeah, football's like when you're a sophomore in Ohio state offers and you're a receiver, you're like, I'm going to Ohio state. Right. And especially as you kind of see what, what Garrett Wilson had done at the time, Garrett Wilson, I believe was a freshman at Ohio state when, you know, and you saw what he's done and they had landed some other kids from Texas and all that. So you, you kind of see it and then it's like the recruitment shifts and all that. And Notre Dame the whole time is just plotting as they have done with just about every other big time recruit under the previous regime and offered him and occasionally talked to him, but there was like no relationship whatsoever. And the whole time, Chancey Stuckey is recruiting him at Baylor. And I had a very interesting conversation with uh, a recruit about three years ago. And he was being recruited by Iowa State. And I remember talking to his dad, and his dad said, if Matt Campbell was at a bigger school, my kid would be going to where Matt Campbell was coaching. And I thought that was – because it doesn't matter. Sometimes with some big-time kids, it doesn't matter – how much they love you, you're at Iowa State, you're at Baylor, right? Now, it doesn't matter how good Baylor is, it's still Baylor, right? And then when you consider that Braylon has kind of adopted this, I want to get away from home mentality, it just, there was no way Coach Stuckey was going to get him, despite the fact they had really connected. So when, when with a lot of these kids we've talked about, like with Cardinal Tate, some of these other kind of kids, the new staff has had to overcome some of the mistakes of the previous staff. And you're doing that sort of in a fresh standpoint. That's not the case here because Chancey Stuckey was at a new school, but the relationship had already been there. And it was a, and it was a school that I think that, that Braylon had always had some interest in, but they just didn't show him the love like the other schools did. So I think that can't be – that role of Chancey Stuckey, if Braylon were to make the decision for Notre Dame tonight – that's going to be a, I mean, you can't just chalk it up to, well, he's just here and anyone could have got him like some other kids. This is a chancy Stucky recruitment in a lot of ways. And I think that's another important thing, which is why I emphasize the whole, the new staff's going to kind of get on the board finally when it comes to landing a, a recruit and, and, and doing it in big time fashion, if they're able to get Braylon in the class. And it's just such an easy fit from a from just a <clears throat> personal perspective, right? I mean, he literally posts on his profile, Braylon James speaking, five three four GPA. Like he is a high, high academic. Kid. And that's a five zero scale, but right, like that's still above a five zero. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like he's it's it's just insane. How I mean, obviously he's a high academic kid, and also he's so he's so thought provoking right. that he doesn't. 
care about staying in Texas, right. you know? Like, I mean, the fact that Stanford is among the finalists for Notre Dame, I think that speaks paramount to, like, where the priorities are for a guy like a Braylon James. And when you have a high academic kid who isn't stuck on, we need, I need to stay in state and I need to do all that, that type of thing. I'm okay with, with expanding and going to a different environment, a different region. You need to land the type of kid, especially when he's a top hundred wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like you got it. There's little, there's very little excuse from a personal perspective combined with a football playing perspective, not to get a Braylon James. If you're Notre Dame, like you have to be able to close in this kid and we'll see if he, if they did very soon. Did you hear, did you hear the video he put out? Was it yesterday? about his commitment did you no. did you listen to it okay we're gonna play no. that for people because ryan it speaks to kind of what you were talking about this is a different kind of kid and and i just i want to share this with people because this, i i didn't listen to it at first because we already kind of knew he was going to commit tonight and i watched it late last night and and i want to i want to i want people to listen to this so just give me a second because it takes it takes a second to to get these things up there. I got to get rid of some other Twitter things to make sure that I'm bringing up the right thing. So just give me a second. But and I you're, think you're, you... you're a big Twitter guy, so there's a lot of tabs open, I'm sure. No, no, it's I'll explain afterwards why there's so many different tabs open, but it's not <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know me. It's, I love the sarcasm behind that tweet. For people who don't know, Ryan's being super sarcastic right now. All right, let's find out. So I just want to pull this up because I have to do this in order to make sure that there's that there is sound. So just give me one second here. Nope, that's not it. I want to find this. Why can I not find this? Because this is really good. Okay, give me a second, everybody. Oh, I get what it is because it's on uh, it's on Safari and not. And it's not on uh, Chrome, so I just got to pull it up on Chrome. So give me a second. It's going to be worth the wait, I promise you. You're going to – those of you who have never heard Braylon talk or never kind of heard – because Brian – or Ryan, what was the comment you said about him? You said he's what? Thought-provoking. Thought-provoking, yes. Yeah. You're, you're this. As soon as you said that, I started thinking of this video. So mm-hmm. I've got it up now. I figured out what the problem was because I just got to make sure that there's sound. It's just not your normal share screen so i'm gonna i'm gonna share this everybody so make sure your sounds up if you can't hear it everybody let me know and i'll i'll make sure the sound but i think i got the sound on here real quick okay first i want to say thank you can you hear it for giving me something to fall in love with i want to say thank you for providing me with opportunity and lastly i want to say thank you for giving me an identity to the 9 a.m flag football games on saturday mornings to the 6 a.m. high school lifts. You show me that nothing in this life is received without working for it. Throughout this whole journey, all I've wanted to do was impact my city. And I hope that as I continue down this long road of success God has laid out for me, I continue to do so. The first time I touched the laces on that ball, I knew this would be the path for me. I put my head down and stayed humble and achieved everything the younger me said I could. Now that all these blessings have fell into my lap, it's come down for the time to make a decision that will impact the rest of my life. With that being said, I'll be announcing my commitment April 19th. I, I don't got a problem. And if I did money, could solve them. Keep thumbing the hundreds of comments, and I could spin a chain right on my... 
Okay, I gotta I gotta stop it there because with the music on, we'll get you know demonetized for having that song we have a commitment to. But he doesn't talk afterward the rest of the way. But I think that right there, when you listen to that, that's just his I'm gonna make a commitment video, right? right. Like that's not even like his commitment video. And and when you listen to him explain to Brian Smith, and that's how we first heard about him wanting to go away from school, was he was talking to Brian Smith, who was in Texas watching him at, a, at a, an event. And you and I'm and Brian sent us the audio, and we both got to listen to it. And you're like, I wish I was this mature when I was 25, much less 17. You, right. you know what I mean? And he's just a really sharp kid, thoughtful kid, hardworking kid. And it's like, this is a Notre Dame kid, right? And so, I, again, I just when you talk about the academics, the talent, the personality, it's like, you've got to get this. There's no excuse not to get this, which then kind of ticks me off because then I start thinking about how was the previous staff not recruiting this kid harder, right? The whole shopping down a different aisle. This is exactly the kind of kid you should be, that should be in that aisle. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Unfortunately, this staff spent more time on him. So uh, yep. really, really unique kid. And and I've had a chance to kind of talk to his his dad a little bit too and it's like it doesn't take long like oh yeah okay that makes sense right like when you yeah. for when you meet the kid first then you meet the parents you're like yeah okay i get it now right like <laughs> mm, makes sense right and that's that's braylon i mean that's that's the, that's who he is so um yeah it, it doesn't take a whole lot right but yeah you that, said he's a, he's a very very like you said thought provoking mm-hmm. sharp kind of kid that's going to come to notre dame and and thrive because he wants that challenge that's the thing is if he picks Notre Dame, it's like, you know, he's going to be okay going away from home because he said he wants to go away from home. You know, he's going to be able to handle the academics because he wants the academic challenge. That's why Stanford was considered his leader at one point in time. And, uh, you know, really, really unique kid, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, that was my first time seeing that video, obviously, that um, gave me a little bit of goose, goosebumps, man. He's a really well-spoken kid, yeah. you know, for a, I mean, what was he probably 16 or 17 16, years old 17, right now? Yeah, probably yeah. 17. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, that, I think that speaks paramount. That That's right. why I think the fit makes so much sense if it does happen, right? And the fact of the matter is Notre Dame and Stanford are in his top three. And, you know, obviously that, that says <laughs> a Texas. lot about the kid. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, and he's from Texas. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, right. the kid seems just like a special person outside of his, his talent level. And, I mean, right. we've talked about it, Brian. It's like, I mean – he tested in the four fours had like a 35 inch like this is a special yeah, athlete 38, man. 38, 38 inch yeah because yeah. I, I actually Crazy. Was, was talking about that today and and he ran a four four this is electronically timed at a, at a spring event ran a four four seven mm-hmm. he checked in over 880 pounds had a 38.4 inch vertical jump had a 130 inch broad jump and ran a four four seven as a junior in high school. And then I asked Nuts. a friend of mine who is a track coach back in Virginia. I said, Hey, is, is a 13, nine good in the 110 meter hurdles? He's like, well, what age junior in high school? He's like, yeah, he's like, that's really good. And I saw a video of it and just like how graceful he was getting over. It's like, this is an athletic kid. This isn't just a straight line, fast kid. This is a kid that's got some, you can't do hurdles if you don't have some coordination and some flexibility and some, some ability to lift and bend. And so he's a, he's a really unique kid, Ryan, very talented kid for sure as well. Yeah. You, you so, know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a weirdo with the track times, man. 39 yeah. is flying. That right. is a great time. Right. And part of it was he had a kid right next in the, like a lane next to him or, or a lane or two over that was kind of with him the whole time. And I always feel like you're always going to get your best times 
when there's someone challenging you, right? And he did that. He actually kicked over one of the one of the. Um, good lord, why am I drawing a blank, Ryan? Hurdles. The hurdles. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking. You're talking about the one ten high hurdles. <laughs> yeah. He over one of them like midway through which is obviously going to slow your time down a little bit so he's a uh, he, he's an athlete and this is what i've talked about in the past ryan is i've always felt there was a speed element there to him that he hadn't tapped into yet on the football field and we're starting to see it kind of come out a little bit yeah. uh, here as he as he gets into track season and, and i think we're going to see that really take off here in the fall and that and look as we kind of look at the schools he was after that's why georgia offered him and wanted him that's why lsu offered him and got him on campus that's why you know, how state offered him. That's why Notre Dame, the new staff that knows what they're doing, went after him so hard that, you know, there's a lot of schools. There's a lot more schools that wanted him that he didn't have a lot of interest in. Georgia tried to make a run at him and he wasn't interested because there are certain things he's looking for in a school that, you know, I don't, I don't know a program like that necessarily can offer him. Right. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. It, the whole, the whole thing is interesting. And I think really the, the final five that I heard were the, the group that I felt kind of were, I thought AM was a little bit more in it than TCU, but he put TCU as kind of his final three. But it was Notre Dame, Stanford, Texas, LSU. And I thought Texas AM, but in fact, he, you know, put TCU in there. So that was kind of the group that it came down to. Even though he had a top nine that also included like who was like, it was like Georgia was in the top nine, mm-hmm. TCU mm-hmm. and Texas AM. Yeah. Look at some of those, uh, those other schools, but it was a really, really impressive offer list. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we're going to watch a little film here, Ryan. I've got the, the CBS sports stream up. So I'll kind of see when that's coming up, but I want to, I want to dive into some film here uh, before we get rocking and rolling, but we did have a couple super chats. I wanted to, uh, to, to bring up first K grant, my guy, let's get it. All right. Appreciate that buddy. Very, very much, very much. People are fired up. Edwin Hooten says joined a few weeks ago. First chat, Edwin. Thank you very, 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 very much. Hopefully you enjoy this. It's a good, I think this is going to, you know, we'll find out what happens, but I think this is going to end up being a pretty good one um, to be your first one. And we'll get into Corey D. I, I see your super chat, buddy. We appreciate it. We'll answer that one here in a little bit. I think we'll probably wait till after, after maybe after the commitment to, to dive into that question, but we did get it. We do appreciate it. So let's, let's bring up some film, Ryan. And I want to start off actually with a sophomore film because just because I just I just want to kind of see it all, right? We want to share a little bit of everything with everybody. So let's dive into some film here. You guys don't need to look at us while we're talking film. So we're gonna we're gonna get down to this right here. So let's get to Braylon's film and make sure just make sure that everything is all set. We're all set. So let's watch some film of Braylon James from his sophomore season. And I think reason I wanted to bring this up is because he got thrown a lot more balls like this as a sophomore, Ryan, than he did even as a junior. Yep. And so you really see his ball skills and his body control and his length even more so as a junior, as a sophomore than you did as a junior when he was, you know, 170 pounds. And you can see the speed hasn't quite kind of caught up yet. But I really like the ball skills that I saw from him as a sophomore. And that's why I wanted to kind of get some of this film out. Again, just so people know, this is sophomore film of of Braylon James that we're looking at here, not not junior film. So. Let's uh let's chat a little bit about I, him, Ryan. I I, th- I think the first thing that pops, and I think it was the first thing that I ever said to you about Braylon James is he's springy, man. Like he elevates quickly, and he's just very. Uh, the word that comes to mind in the thirty-eight inch vert makes total sense that that he was verified with. Like he's just a 
explosive kid, both explosive as far as a jumper. And then I thought off the line of scrimmage, he really gets on top of defensive backs quick. His, I mean, his speed is even a little deceptive to me, but like, I think that off the line, he is incredibly explosive. He puts defensive backs in some bad positions pretty quickly. Yeah. And again, this is sophomore film. I think we actually, we actually see a little bit more of the, of the nuance of the position a little, even a little bit more as a sophomore, and again, sometimes that's the nature of, you, did you have a different quarterback? There's all types of things that you're going to go into it. I love how he snatches the ball out of the air there, shows great body control to get a foot down. You know, this is impressive. Kid, One of the things that hurts him, I think, from a ranking standpoint, Ryan, is he doesn't have a lot of production compared to other top receivers because of the, the high school he plays at and the offense. And they're, they're not good. I mean, the high school he plays at, yeah. not, they're not good. Mm-hmm. And he had, I think, 442 yards as a sophomore. He had... Five, over five, he had barely a thousand yards the last couple of years. Like, I think mean, he's just a touch over a thousand yards the last couple of years. So the production's not there to just really jump out at you and be like, wow. But you just, you see the traits and the tools and it's like, that's just, just not a lot of better kids on the board, in my opinion, than this. And, and I think Colin just said it perfectly in the chat. He says he goes up and gets the ball, doesn't wait for yes. it. He's an aggressive yeah. ball catcher. Like he goes yeah. up and he catches at the highest point. He's a, he like if he's a really good basketball player, I'd be like, yep, I totally get it because that's just how he plays the game. He's just mm-hmm. really fluid and really explosive with everything he does. Yeah, and he does play basketball. He also runs track for his high school team. I think he's at, I think he's running track for Stony Point now. So I, I, I believe that transfers happened, but I'm not 100% certain on that, Ryan. I, I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, la, 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 stay, last, time, last time I talked to the coach at Del Val, he said that he had made the, the transfer already. So he is okay. back home, um, like you said, at Stony Point. Okay. Now that's where he played as a freshman in high school. So that's where he started. And he transferred to Del Val and then transferred, uh, obviously, back to back – to, uh, Stony Point as for his senior year. So I, li- I like these. He's got a couple blocking things on there, which I like. Oh, you got to love it. You got to love it, man. Yep. I just love, I just love his frame, Brian. Like someone asked, is he, is he six one? Is he six four? I'd say he's somewhere six mm-hmm. two to six three, but he's right. long, man. He is right. long everywhere. Right. That's the thing is we've talked about this length is more important than height. Yep. You know, it, it just is. And and he's a kid that's got really good length. He he's checked. I've seen different I've seen places where he's checked in at six two, places he's checked in at six three. He was originally listed as six four, but as we kind of did some more digging, it was like, no, he's not six four. So we changed him on our on our board down to six three. So here's some junior film. Let's pop up some junior film. All right, we've got a super chat here before we do that. William Chesney, thank you for that, William, very, very, very much. Hey, IB, finally catching you guys for a live chat from Central Pennsylvania, lifelong Irish fan. Who do you guys think are behind the scene wide receiver recruits, kind of like Michael Bell was at cornerback? I think we have a couple ideas on that, William, and and we'll chat about those because what we'll do after we discuss this is sort of what's next for Notre Dame. We'll have that after his announcement, which is going to be coming up here very soon. They're kind of – they're talking about it now at – on CBS Sports, they're kind of showing stuff of him, so uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that here soon. But let's let's pull up some some of this junior film here real quick, and just watch a little bit of Braylon from his junior season. And this is where you start to see you see he's a little bigger, right? And he's got a little bit more. Bur- Actually, hold on, here we go. You know, just having the opportunity. Can to everybody play hear college that? Football at the yep. At the next level isn't giving it uh, many athletes, so you know, just being able to you know chase my dreams and live out everything I said I could is, is just an honor. So I'm truly thankful to be in this position right now. That's a beautiful perspective you have. And, you know, a lot of folks think 42 offers, top-tier programs, nothing but sunshine and celebration. But 
This process, I'm sure, it's taking you through a wide range of emotions. Can you give us an idea of what you're feeling right now in this moment? I mean, like right now, I'm feeling really nervous, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you. But, uh, you know, like aside from that, like, yeah, it's, it's truthfully just been, you know, you know, just breathtaking, you know, just to see how many people are backing me, see how many people are supporting me. And, you know, just like I said, being able to live on my dream. So, you know, on, honestly, this this whole recruitment has been a, a whirlwind. So, you know, like I said, I'm just excited to have experienced this whole entire process. It started for me three years ago. You know, some people don't get the opportunity to be in this, uh, you know, position this long. So just for me having the opportunity to go out, you know, just continue to do what I do is is, is an honor. So like I said, it's, it's truthfully exciting. Well, uh, soak in that excitement for a little while longer. We're going to do away with those nerves, <laughs> but not just yet. Need you to sit tight for a few. We're going to make it official in just a couple of minutes here. Taking a look at that 2023 that's what they always what, do. What a tease, man. What a tease. Yeah, that's Personally. what they always do. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. You got you to gotta love it. Like I said, you got you got to get the advertising in and all that. We completely understand. We'll pull that thing back up when he's ready to rock and roll. So we'll, we'll still oh, have that. Let me well, we did have a super chat from David Fre- Freeman or Fryman. And apologize, David, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Shout out Brian, Vince, and Ryan. Just want to say appreciate you guys and keep rolling the film. Go Irish. Appreciate you, David. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Let's, let's get to some of these questions. Obviously, we have some super chats, but just some of these questions about – him as a player, right? And we'll, we'll pop in the film, obviously, as we kind of get going. People are uh, excited about uh, being part of this. Here, here's an interesting one, Ryan, that I wanted to ask you about because we had some people talking about comps, and this is an interesting one. Steve H said super high on Braylon James, has potential to be elite, kind of reminds me of Kevin Austin. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, we, we also had someone, I think it was Joseph I was pulling up now. He said, would you compare Braylon James to Kevin Austin? What about Julio Jones? I think the guy that I compared him to, Brian, and I know um, we talked a little bit about this one time, but I think Des Bryant when I see him. I don't know if it's no. like the Texas co- combination or what it might be, obviously, with playing with the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I see a frame with Braylon James where I think he's going to play between like 215, you know, ish, 210, 215 at 6'2", mm-hmm. 6'3". And I think he's just – Really springy, and I think the one thing that people underestimate about Dez is Dez was explosive, man. If you watch him at Oklahoma State, he was a dynamic punt returner. He was actually a dynamic punt returner as a as a rookie with the Dallas Cowboys as right. well. So I think explosive, I think winning above the rim, and I, I I believe physicality when I think of Braylon James. So that's just the name that kind of comes to mind for me is Dez. Okay, here Bryant. we go. Okay, so Des Bryant, I didn't see in high school, so it's hard for me to to make that comp. I, I think you're projecting what he could be in college, and if he's if he's like what Des Bryant was in college, then you got yourself a heck of a player as a player. If he's like sure. what Des Bryant was like as a player, uh, then, then I'll be happy. Maybe some of the the other things I don't like. I I don't know if I have a good comp for this one to be honest with you. And, and the Julio Jones comp doesn't work because he's not as big as Julio. Julio was legit six four creeping up on 200 pounds as a senior like he was he was a much bigger athlete i think if if because that was a that was to me still the greatest receiver class i've seen and you had julio jones aj green michael floyd devere posey dan buckner jonathan baldwin justin blackman that was an absurd receiver class oh man i forgot about justin blackman yeah, what a waste of the talent, yeah i mean man. there was a so ton good. there was a kid in that class that ended up not panning out because of injuries but he had a great first year a kid named deandre brown that went to southern miss because he, he had some academic issues i remember deandre yeah, yeah, yeah. he was uh-huh. a freak he had like a thousand yards as a, as a rookie 
at Southern Miss and then like shattered his leg as a sophomore. Was just he, never he was huge, right? Like he six, was six or something, right? Yes. He was, yeah, he yeah. was a stud. That was a great receiver. If there was a player in that class that I would, who I would probably compare Braylon James to as a player, it would probably be, uh, it would probably be AJ Green stylistically. I think is who I would probably compare him to more than 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 the other guys. If we we're going to look at that class, just you know, tall, skinny, long strider, speed is a little bit more deceptive than you think. I think Braylon's back up to it now, so let's get rocking and rolling. Maybe we'll actually get it this time. Let the yes, fans sir. know where you'll be playing your ball. Well, first off, I just want to give a thanks to my uh, Lord and Savior for giving me the abilities to accomplish everything I believe I could. Uh, secondly, I like to give a thanks to every little league organi- organization that coached me up from a young age and uh, instilled the confidence in me to go out and become not just the athlete, but the young man that um, I inspire to be uh, from Dom and Jason Brosey's flag football teams to, you know, Fusion Track and Field, uh, the Wilco Tigers, Thunderbolts Track and Field Club, Ju 7v7, and lastly, uh, you know, the whole ATX Future organization. Uh, next, I'd like to give a shout out to my middle school and high school coaches from Coach Gabbert, Saunders, Herrera, Page, Acosta, Burton, Lou, Chester, uh, Mossick, Alexander, Coach Creek, uh, Coach Lede, and Coach Shabak, along with a handful of more, um, along with all of my trainers from Margin Hooks, Derek Lewis, Sean Rutherford, Coach Bam, D. Bradfield, and Sacrifice Training. Uh, next, I'd like to give a thanks to all of my teammates from Stony Point to Dove Valley. Um, Truthfully, without y'all's brotherhood and our bond, you know, I wouldn't be able to be in this position. So, you know, I want, I want to let it be known that I love you all. So I'm, I'm super thankful for y'all. And, um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to everybody here, you know, uh, just supporting me and, you know, being a part of my community and just following my journey is, is truthfully an honor. So I'm, I'm truly thankful for that from all the teachers and, you know, family members and church members. It's, it's, it, it means a lot to me. And uh, lastly, I'd like to give a thanks to you know, all my family from the 504 all the way down to the 512. I know y'all are watching me, so uh, I love you all. Mom, Dad, Kyra, Nana, Uncle B, and uh, Papa. You know, I'm just truly thankful for y'all pushing me athletically and academically to uh, be here. So um, with all that being said, I'd like to dedicate this commitment to um, my late cousin, Willie Simmons III, uh, who passed away a year ago yesterday. So, um, yeah, this whole journey's really been a tribute to him. So, uh with that being said, for the next three to four years, um, I'll be taking my talents too. <laughs> even even though LSU will always have a special place in my heart, that would not be the home for me. So with that being said, I'll be going to uh, the University of Notre Dame. Had to hit him with the head fake. Had to hit him with the head fake, but it's waking <laughs> yeah. up the echoes. Yeah. We are ND for Braylon yes, James. Congratulations. You know, a couple questions here. Yes, sir. Here. Thank you. Much was made about the transition at the top of that program. What about Coach Freeman? Coach Reese's recruiting pitch made South Bend feel like the place for you. You know, obviously, just looking at Notre Dame as an institution, uh, you know, in a whole, you know, football is going to end one day. So obviously the degree speaks for itself. And, you know, obviously Stanford could compete in that arena as well. But being able to play at the highest level of football and and compete academically is is super special. So, you know, 
obviously that that was you know just one and all but in terms of recruiting pitch you know all they really did was just get to know me you know just sitting mm-hmm. down and getting to know who somebody truly is is you know something not a lot of coaches do but I felt like everything there was genuine from coach Stuckey to um coach Reese all the way up to coach Freeman you know it was it was genuine love and yeah it was it was real it well, was real high character individuals all over the place there on campus at South Bend you have balled out on field yes, and in the classroom gain interest from some of the most prestigious institutions across the country can you pinpoint the moment where you said to yourself it's the Irish you know, I, I kind of always had like an idea in the back of my head, like that's where I wanted to go, you know, probably from right when coach uh, Stucky got in there, you know, he texted me before he announced that uh, he took the position and he was like, man, you know, I, I want you to be a part of, you know, my my branch, you know, I feel like we can build a wide receiver you at, uh, at Notre Dame, you know, it, it's sounding good. But, you know, once I finally got up there, I was like, man, this is the place. So, you know, I went ahead and pulled the plug and told coach Freeman and coach Reese, you know, the whole staff was fired up um, just as much as I was. So I, I feel like I made the, the right decision for, for me in my life. Well, they are surely fired up. And as someone who spent Saturdays growing up in South Bend, I know the faithful are ready to see you come and make your mark on that program. It's all about what you do with the opportunity from here on out. And you now have the opportunity to speak to your future fan base. Let the Irish faithful know what sort of players head to town. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a real dynamic athlete. You know, I'm not just a, a football player. I do it all. I run track as well. So I just want y'all to know y'all are getting a true athlete as well as a, you know, not to brag, but I'm, I feel like I'm a high character individual. And that's a, all a testament to my, my family, you know, my friends, along with all the people here supporting me. So obviously, you know, that that's a testament to them. But uh, yeah, just know that, um, you know, we're, we're going to win some championships when me, uh, when I'm up there along with the, the great class that we're going to build. So um, with the, all that being said, go Irish. Braylon, congratulations from all of us here at CBS Sports to you and the entire family, that support system that's gotten you to this moment. Wake up those echoes, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. So- Yo, when he pulled up, when he pulled up the LSU hat off his lap, I'm not going to lie for a split second. M- I, my, uh, my heart sank a little bit. I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> oh no!" I'm usually prepared for that, but I was not prepared oh. for that. Like he put, because at first, like, "Oh, that's a cool gold gold Notre Dame hurt," and then I saw LSU. I was like, oh. "I was like, no, he didn't." He he, he trolled LSU, okay. man. What he trolled a, me for a hot second there. As I well. know, yeah, man. But what a oh man! Yeah. If you want to get into Notre Dame's heart, troll, <laughs> troll LSU. He just became everybody's favorite player by taking that. Oh, and I don't man. think it's a coincidence. That's where Dante is. It's going to be this weekend as well. So big pickup, everybody. Big pickup. And obviously, a little backstory. You know, he said he actually committed to Notre Dame during his visit in March. Uh, is when he said it was going to be he wanted he didn't want to go public because he still had some visits set and he obviously wanted to do this so this has been one we've been kind of been kind of my dad just texted me he punked lsu my dad's all fired up about it right now too (laughs) uh so you know when my pops is on there watching the show it's fired up but this has been one that's been big for Notre Dame getting him to commit in april and not take out the visits and things like that. And he kind of said what we talked about in the article, Ryan, is Stanford was a major player for him until Notre Dame got involved. And he said it clearly like, okay, the reason why, why did he like Stanford? They've been garbage for like three years. 
It's because the academic piece. This is a kid that understands if I go to the NFL, if I'm a if I'm an All-American in college and I go play and I'm a first-round pick and I play in the NFL for 10 years, I'm done playing ball at 30-31. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? How are you going to maximize the money you make? He's one of those kids that understands the value that Notre Dame brings beyond just the football field. So that's why he likes Stanford. And then, of course, once Notre Dame got in, in the board, and he talked about what we said earlier, Chancey Stuckey had a big role in this recruitment. He's not probably not in the class, maybe not, might not be in the class if Chancey Stuckey isn't the hire, which well, that was one of the things we didn't know. How, how of a rec- What kind of recruiter would Chancey Stuckey be? Well, so far, and this is a pretty big, a pretty big, uh, you know, first notch on your belt for Chancey Stuckey as a recruiter. It's huge. I mean, like you, like you just said, if if Chancey Stuckey was not the hire, you probably don't have a shot at that kid, right? Like you have, right. or you have a shot, but you probably don't have the inside track to that kid. And I mean, Chancey Stuckey knocked that one out of the park. So it's right in a, in a great position right now. I mean, right. you got to feel good about it, man. I, I just I, I can't get over the LSU troll right now. I just right. can't. It's it's right. one of the greatest moments in in the world. So right. It. So the, the here's the other part part about it too. I mean, there's just you, you kind of see some things in there from Braylon. You know, he's a very confident kid, but also a kid. It's it's it can be sometimes a challenge to um, combine the confidence you need to be a great football player with with you know, humility. And Reza with the super chat, and he said, it quote of the week, not to brag, but I'm a high character individual." And like that's Braylon though, right? Like he is a he is a a very humble kid who's we played the video, but he's also a kid that's that's very confident in himself and works hard to, to, you know, be the player he is and t- puts value in a lot of the other things that are away from football. So uh, really, really, really impactful kid, Ryan. And, you know, we had a question is, is he a five-star kid? We'll get to that here in a second. William Chesney with another super chat. Thank you, William. Brian, did you have the inside track on him pulling that LSU hat? Little jab at BK. 100% agree on everything you ever said about BK. I appreciate that, William. I would never have. I would never tell a kid to do that. That's just. That's just. Um, that's just not my style. Not that I have a problem with it. What I. The only thing I have a problem with is when kids take hats and then throw them down, like throw them mm-hmm. on the ground. Like I think that's a little disrespectful. He didn't do that. I thought it was fun, you know. But I would never tell a kid to do that. Not. Not that doesn't mean I don't enjoy. Like that's the program. You're gonna pull a hat on. Like ah, just playing. Like it couldn't have been any better than that. I mean, it was no. Now it, it was it was pretty good. He, he became good. my favorite 2023 recruit <laughs> in that moment. Right in that moment, it happened. <laughs> I really liked it before that, but now I love yeah. the kid. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed that that very very much. So let you know the question was you know is he a five star kid? So uh, not yet. I'm trying to find where that was. Ryan, it was down here a little bit. Let me just pull that up. Just oh, here we go. DC Irish one two one three is he a five star kid? So where Ryan and I have him right now, we both view him as a top 100 recruit. I have him sort mm-hmm. of in the 50 to 75-ish range just because right now uh, the way that we do it and Irish Breakdown, the way that I do it and, and Ryan's learning it, is it, there's a grade of who you are now and then a grade of what we think you can be when it all gets put together. And The put-together thing can be – it can be technical. guy's got to grow into his body. There's all types of things that go into it. I think he's a 50 to 75, probably closer to – for me, the 60 to 70 ish range, if I'm going to really zone in right now, mm-hmm. because the tools are outstanding, but he is raw. I mean, he, he's a kid that's going to need, still need more work compared to some other receivers. Like, you know, there's a lot of questions that I want to get to Ryan about comparing him to, to uh, Braylon Jane, or I mean, to Carnell Tate. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, you know, they're different players, similar body types, right? Like Cardinals, you know, 6'2", 185, Braylon's 6'3", 185, both long. Carnell's more of a, a Carnell's just a more advanced player. You know, I right. mean, that's that's the thing is, and Braylon is still learning. And one of the things that I said, and this is, you know, as I said, I hate people that will praise a kid until he's no longer considering their school, mm-hmm. then be like, ah, he wasn't that good anyway. I said a couple of weeks ago when we thought Notre Dame had a really good chance with Carnell Tate that the two highest upside guys on the board for me were Braylon James and Tyler Williams. Not Carnell Tate. Carnell has the best combination of floor and ceiling, but that I thought that that um, that Braylon has a higher ceiling, right? And Tyler Williams as well. And obviously Carnell's now in the class. So this is a five-star upside kid. He's not as advanced at the same age as, as Tobias Merriweather was, for example. Tobias was a really good route runner as a sophomore, but there, there's a lot of similarities between him and Tobias, I believe, in that he can play boundary. He can play field. In an ideal scenario with those two, I'd probably have Tobias as my field guy and Braylon as my boundary guy, right? Agreed. That's probably how I would view those two players. Yeah. Well, because I, 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 I think what, what Braylon does best is he's that – if you're going to want if you're gonna match him one-on-one where you're going to get a lot of that into the boundary, into that Z position for Notre Dame – or the W position, excuse me, you are going to get – a lot of ability to for Braylon James, I think, to kind of take the top off the defense. And that vertical speed is what really is going to threaten you. But also, back shoulder game, physical above the rim. Like, he can kind of do all those things. I think he can really handle press man coverage, just man coverage in general into that boundary. So, mm-hmm. I would agree. And I think that Tobias is just a little more, like you said before, he's a little more technically refined as a route runner. So, I, I like him kind of navigating space a little more right now than Braylon. I think Braylon can get there, though, because he has the tools to do it. Right. But right now he's, I mean, athletically speaking, Braylon James is a special player with the football in the air and the ability to win vertically down the field. Right. And you compare him to like a Jaden Greathouse, who's also from Texas, night and day different players. I mean, Jaden Greathouse is a significantly better player today, but you don't recruit off what you think a guy is in high school. You you recruit off what you think he'll be in college. And that's one of the things I like about Braylon James is, you know, it's that high, high ceiling. If you're going to take a chance on a kid, take a chance on a 6'3 kid that can run. But you see other things too, Ryan, and that's that's the thing I like about it is, you, you, you know, you see the ability to, you know, you see the potential to run routes. He'll, he'll, he'll get it. You know, we're going to have Brian Smith on here in a little bit, and Brian has seen, he's seen Braylon at some, at some spring and winter workouts where you're starting to see that route running aspects kind of start to show itself a little bit more. And so, there's a ton of ton of potential there, but I, but I think the Cardinal Tate thing is what I don't want us to do is all of a sudden, you know, get into well now that Cardinal's not coming to Notre Dame, he's not a good player. He wasn't that good. He's overrated. He's not going right. like, to. The Cardinal's a great player. Bray, Braylon James is can be a great player, and that's mm-hmm. why that's why we've been so excited about him for so long is because he has the tools that you really look for. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Right. It's about upside. You know, what, what's your potential. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, and that's, that was Corey D's question in three years, who was the better Tate receiver, uh, Cardinal Tate, Braylon James. I think with, the, bet- with this, with the same coaching, I would, I would say Braylon James, right. right. Cause I mean, right. assuming that the coaching is up to par and is up right. to standard. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I would even say in three years. So that counts senior year of high school, freshman year of college, and then sophomore year of college. 
I say then you it still may be Carnell by then. If you start talking about four years by the time they're juniors, that's when the conversation gets gets rolling. Uh, John, you ready to roll? You ready to rock and roll? Not yet. Okay, so we'll keep we'll keep going. John's getting ready down. He gave me the Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> not ready yet. No, um, no, no. <laughs> but that's the thing is like you know that, that's the that as you build a class, you need to balance some of that. It's like so, they're going to need at least somebody that can come in at receiver and play right away. I'm very curious to see what kind of growth that Braylon makes between now and next year because like i said the size the speed the ball skills are there it's just about <coughs> take over ryan sorry <laughs> it's about technical refinement for a guy like Braylon jays i think i think what's really interesting about this hire is we've heard a lot of great things this spring so far about chancey stuckey and just kind of the his attention to detail as far as crafting a receiver and i think you saw it in only his one year at baylor i mean the year before he got there R.J. Sneed was an okay player. Tyquan Thornton had basically no production the year before. And then he comes the next year, and they just look like a completely different fo- – they, they look like a completely different football player. So you're hoping that Coach Stuckey has those chops to kind of develop. So I think Braylon James is a player where the long-term is going to outweigh the short-term, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a guy that's going to – I mean, I think he can, he can potential to play as a true freshman just how athletic he is. But, I mean, you're much more more right. banking on what he is as a junior compared to when he was a freshman. So, it's a big question. I mean, it's not a huge question, mark because we're hearing good things. But how good of a coach Chancey Stuckey is, right. if he's as good as we think he can be based upon what things we're hearing, then the upside is immense with Braylon James. There's no question about it. Yeah, and we had another super chat from Kay Grant, the LSU <laughs> hat. Notre Dame, like you said, you nailed it, right? Notre Dame fans are super fired up. Zach Martin with a great response on his super chat. Brian was midway through taking his gap closer shirt off before the camera switched back when that LSU hat came out. You're not lying. You're not lying, Zach. You're not lying. I want to bring in John Garcia, the director of recruiting at SI All-American, John. And, you know, you and I talked earlier today, and we've talked a lot about Braylon as a player and those kind of things. You made a comment to me that I want you to share with Notre Dame fans in general. And that is, it is so important for Notre Dame to start getting back into getting athletes out of Texas. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I should have to elaborate a ton. Um, <laughs> but look, when you're Notre Dame, you you have to recruit nationally. I mean, every program does, right? I mean, you look at any national champion in the last decade, they recruit nationally. But Notre Dame in particular really has a limited pool locally. So you have to recruit nationally on a much more high-pressure status than Alabama and Ohio State and uh, Clemson and and all the the most recent – Georgia, certainly the most recent national champion. So um, I think Texas (laughs) speaks for itself in terms of the talent pool. But what we also talked about, Brian, is that it's it's the right time to dig into Texas Mm -hmm. because there is no dominant program in terms of – they will keep all of the elite kids home. You know, UT's run was at this point 15 years ago. I mean, some of your viewers might not even remember that run. And since then, it's really been wide open. Uh, and I think once Texas A&M jumped into the SEC, everybody like realized, hey, Texas is out there for the taking. So you've seen the entire SEC plug into Texas, um, but it still hasn't sh- shown up for anybody else. It's not shored up, I should say for anybody else. So your Notre Dames, your Ohio States will still go down in there. Uh, and to compete at the highest level, you want ND in that conversation. And with Braylon James, they've been in it 
for what two years now right. uh and and as everyone has mentioned stucky just ki- kind of put an accelerator on it uh for the irish because when i first started tracking braylon and talking to people around him i was just here in ohio state ohio state ohio state so for <laughs> it to have shifted so quickly and so firmly now to where nobody's surprised he commits to notre dame tonight i think says a lot uh, about the program about freeman and, and certainly about stucky and I think you talk about Ohio State, and you look at what Ohio State's been able to do just at receiver in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, wasn't two of their three – isn't Jackson Smith and Jigba also from Texas? Yep, yeah. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I mean, just give me one of them, right? I mean, if you're Notre Dame, <laughs> just can I just have one? Uh, yeah. You know, Marvin Harrison, and, I think, also NFL, NF, Texas. NFL right? teams are saying that too right now, Brian. Just yeah, give me seriously. one of them. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. And then they just got another kid out of Texas this year. Uh, I'm not quite as high on him as I was Garrett Wilson and Jackson coming to high school. He's still a good football player. Uh, they've dipped into the Southwest. They got the uh, Keon, was it Graves, the kid out of Arizona this year. So there's a lot of talent in the Southwest that Notre Dame has just not even been competing for. And I think that's the biggest difference with this staff, John, is this is a staff that, you know, Marcus Freeman also believes in shopping down a different aisle. It's just not the aisle Brian Kelly shopped down. His aisle is like, oh, there's that's where Dabo and, and, and Saban and Brian Day are going. I'm going down right. that aisle. Right, that's the aisle that's going to get me a championship, and and they're going down it, and, and you're you got to get kids like this in order to do that, especially because John, you've been doing this a long time, and this is one of the things that that bothers me. There's this perception that all these big time players are just about football, and they don't they just care about football and now nil. None of them want to go. You're telling me <laughs> that 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 there weren't offers for for Braylon James to go somewhere else for money. But he's a kid that said, "A, I want to get away from home, and B, it's more. It, there's there's a lot more to it than that immediate payday. There's a lot more kids out there like that than people think, and it's important that Notre Dame get those kids, especially when they're from places like Texas." Yeah, and and how about the the little mini troll job, like the the classy troll job that he went with? You know, it was a very subtle, quick. If you blink, you missed it kind mm-hmm. of troll. Again, 5.3 GPA showing up in a lot of Hold different on. ways. Here. It's It was many if you're you and a national person. <laughs> that, that's it what felt I'm like it five minutes subtle. for Notre Dame fans. Like, <laughs> no! You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And then like, yeah! You know, I, imagine, I imagine Brian Kelly with a single tear coming down yes. his face personally. Yes. That, that was just First weird. he starts grinding on the, you know, somebody in the office. <laughs> and, you know, then, then, he, then he gets all sad. But... Uh, I, I love it, but you, you, you're right though. Then he has the, you know, but then he says nice things and he's a, he's a, he's a good kid. He just went from, I like this pickup to my new favorite recruit in the class <laughs> with a lot of Notre Dame fans when, when he uh, taught Chuck that LSU hat to the side, that was, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, I, but the I first thing that. he said, first thing he said was, you know, we talked about academics. That was the first mm-hmm. thing he really talked about and in, in weighing his options. And, and he mentioned that that was available at, at Stanford, certainly, um, but but he mentioned that combination at Notre Dame, which really at the very highest level, Notre Dame can sell that mm-hmm. better than anyone. I mean, I, I know this is a Notre Dame podcast, but who who can sell the highest combination of academics and athletics on a national scale? I think this was a almost a poster child type of victory on the recruiting trail for a kid who was wanted athletically everywhere, but was focused mm-hmm. on academics along the way. And that's why it's so important that Notre Dame has started to win, number one. But this is exactly why it was important they started beating Stanford. And we'll talk a little bit with Brian Smith about this later, too, because this is the kind of kid that seven, eight years ago beat that Stanford beat Notre Dame for. Because they were beating Notre Dame on the field consistently, thoroughly. 
And and that's why you know Brian Kelly finished his career at Notre Dame with a losing record against Stanford. So the combination of Notre Dame taking that series back and Stanford fading, now all those kids that were going to Stanford when they were a top ten team every year are now starting to come to Notre Dame, or at least they should. And this is a perfect example of that kind of kid. I'm telling John, five years ago, Notre Dame doesn't get this kid in my opinion. Be- before they started winning and and you know, really started becoming the program that they've became. And they still might not have got him if the previous staff was in charge, but with Marcus <laughs> Freeman and his staff now doing it the right way, this is that there's more kids out there like Braylon, in my opinion, than, than a lot of fans realize. Yeah. I was going to say a year ago, it was Ohio state and Stanford. I mean, right. it's not, you don't have to go five. I mean, a year ago it was, it was those two schools. So yeah, it, it can change in short order. And, and that's another good lesson to, to follow in recruiting. You know, they, they, these kids, I say it seemingly every day. These kids don't have the wide scoping knowledge base that we do mm-hmm. with programs relative to perception. So, you know, me and you might view a Stanford or, or even going back further at Tennessee, a Notre Dame or in Nebraska, excuse me, as a, a program with some some weight to it. Th- these kids don't even don't, they don't remember Vince Young. Right. They don't know about Miami's run in, in, in the early 2000s. They don't know about any of those things. So right. it's always good to reinforce that uh, and how quickly things can change on the trail when you're dealing with, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. Yeah, because juniors in high school now were in early middle school the last time Stanford in 2015. Think about that. 2015 to a kid like Braylon James was, what, sixth grade? Right? right. Seventh grade, yeah. maybe? Right. Yeah. Might not even be locked in on football at that point. Right. Right. right, and and so it, it 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 really does matter, in my opinion, to you know to really to 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 really have. I mean, the, the success matters. You you got to win to to get there. I mean, that's that's the important thing. But this is a this is a big pickup for Notre Dame, and I think it just it sends a lot of it sends a lot of a, a lot of messages, and hopefully for Notre Dame, this is the thing that kind of gets their their offensive class rolling because i mean defensive classes is even without justin rett is the, still the best defensive class in the country as of now i agree now the offense has kind of been you know cooper flannon's really good central Sherman's a solid player but man just is there a game changer there now now you have a kid that's got the tools to be that kind of guy and he's unique john too because i know si sl american likes to focus a lot on the floor and this is one of those kids that's got a is more of a, a ceiling kid What's your assessment? I and mean, we've talked a lot about the commitment, but just getting in the film room, just give me some thoughts here. Because, uh, you you know, for people who don't know, John was a defensive back in high school, so that's his position. And I always love kind of getting his view of receivers because he's going to look at it, you know, maybe from a different angle. So just what what do you see when you pop on the film of Braylon James? And Because you've watched him evolve over the last couple of years as a player as well. Right, and, and that's what's exciting. Because the first time you watch him to today, you see a growth. And it also reminds you that, hey, there's there's room for it to, to continue rolling up that trajectory, especially in the polish department. The foundation is there. He knows how to begin to set up a defensive back. He knows how to stem his route initially. But when you start building combinations, it's like a pass rusher. You, you almost you add moves to the repertoire and you develop them within the same route or in the same pass rush. So he's at that that middle stage where he's added the first one or two. Now he needs to counter it with some other moves. Um, but in terms of the, the physical traits, they're off the charts, right? 6'2", 185 or so. And, and no disrespect to, to those putting on the broadcast, but nobody mentioned the ball skills. Mm-hmm. The ball skills are the, are the first thing that you say, hold on now, this kid can track the football. And, and it's something we don't talk about enough with wide receivers and defensive backs. It's one. It's it's not just 
playing the apex. It's not just breaking on the ball if you're talking about a DB. Can you track the football without losing speed, without wasted motion, without breaking stride? Braylon can do those things already. So, again, as he polishes up and adds to the arsenal, now all of a sudden he becomes a, a full route tree guy, which, mm-hmm. at, again, at 6'2", that's not something we talk about with a lot of guys, being a full route tree guy. So yeah. I'm super high on him. I think he's a floor and ceiling guy, really. Yeah. I think his floor can contend as a top 10, top 12 guy today. But I think when you talk about his ceiling, that's when he starts to creep into the for sure top 10 range. And in this class, as we'll talk about as time goes on, that's a big deal. This yeah. class is going to be known for quarterbacks, wide receivers, right. uh, maybe offensive tackle. Uh, so to be in that top group at one of those positions is is a really, really big deal. And just so people understand, John's talking about top 10 to 12 at receiver. Yes. Is what we're referring sorry. to, which top <laughs> 10 to 12 gets you surefire top 100 player. I mean, that in this class, it's a it's a top 100 player, no doubt. There, You know, we, yeah. we were kind of talking about that. Like, you know, is there going to be room for any other positions besides quarterback, running back, you know, <laughs> Offensive tackle, and I would say corners, another class I really like in this. In this yeah, year. I mean, there's gonna be those are gonna be 40 of the SI 99 this summer, <laughs> at so, least. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. A lot of a lot of a skill pizzazz, and, and that's good because last year was a heavy defensive line edge class. Uh, a lot of big guys wasn't you know as sexy to talk about, but now we're talking about Great skill guys, class, all, yeah, very good linebacker class. So, yeah. so now we're talking more skill, more space guys, which which really you know, moves the needle a little bit more. So I'm, I'm not mad at that one. I want to bring Brian Smith into this conversation too, Ryan. Brian, you oh, ready Lord. to rock and roll? Okay, he's ready to go. Brian is chilling today. So, <laughs> Brian, we wanted, to, we wanted to bring you on too because you are the person who has seen Braylon work out uh, the most recently in person. You've been over to Texas this year uh, traveling for SIL American. Brian Smith obviously runs the uh, – the Central Florida site for SI Fan Nation, and also does a lot of work with SI All American. How have you seen his game grow, Brian? From you know the the kid we've seen as a as a junior that's toolsy but raw, to what you've kind of seen uh, here now this spring as he's as he's developing his game. First thing would be anticipation. After he gets into his route, he doesn't always run the route perfectly, but the difference between this year and last. You just watched the film like you were talking about his sophomore year. I was watching part of the show when you brought that up. It's a lot different. He's not a kid that knew all the things that he needed yet, and he shouldn't. He's 15, 16 years old, and his routes are sharper. He makes cuts at better times. He sets up DBs better. And with his length, like his, you know, he's, I stood next to him. He's so long at the hip, it's almost weird. I mean, he's the kind of kid that looks like a basketball player. That's a good problem to have. And now with his length and his second level speed, he can run away from guys that are 5'9", 170. Mm -hmm. And he still hasn't been to a college weight training program yet. His upside is still very high. Mm -hmm. So the development is kind of in that midpoint, but he still has a whole nother level that he can go to. And you talked about him with a five-star upside. I agree. Uh, You said it very well. I just don't know when it's going to get there. I mean, that's just part of watching football. It's fun. And that's the thing we were talking about before you guys joined was obviously Notre Dame fans are going to compare him a lot to Cardinal Tate, who is the big name five-star kid that a lot of people talk to. And one of the questions was in three years, who's a better player, Cardinal Tate, Braylon James. Mm. And I said, you know, maybe three years, but it may be four before Braylon really takes that, that final leap. But a lot of that's going to be determined by, you know, is he able to take the lessons he's learning now? He's at, he's back at Stony Point. Can he, can he take those lessons? Because at some point in time, the production has to match the tools. And so far, because of a lot of different factors, offensive style, quarterback, and all that, 
the production hasn't been there like it has been for some other kids in this class. And, you know, that's the thing like Garrett Wilson and a lot of those guys, they were producers in high school and Braylon hasn't been there yet. So I think that's the thing for me. Uh, but I think Brian's point is, I mean, the light could go on as a freshman for Braylon. We don't know what kind of growth sport he's going to have, what kind of, but it, it could also till he's a junior. And that's for me, John, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm actually kind of encouraged to hear that you're a little higher on his floor than I am even, which is a, a good sign. I, I think for, for what this kid could be. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Brian, Brian went there, you know, we know coach Costa pretty well. The Valley's, you know, fighting an uphill battle in, yes. in that Austin area. I mean, that, you know, Austin West Lake Hello is, is right there. So, you know, Braylon had to be sort of the focal point of, of that offense, and and they're often trailing. So it was it was a little harder for him to to get loose uh, with against some good coaching. I, I do think that his floor is rock solid, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I think what we haven't or what I haven't talked about much with him in retrospect is is the speed. Uh, I think that's where. Oh, yeah. When you first watch him, you say, okay, well, you know, I think he can be uh, your possession guy. I think he could be your third and six, go over the middle guy and maybe develop into a combination route type. But then you watch him more recently and you, you pair it with some of the other stuff athletically. And now you say, well, now he can be that full route tree guy that can at least challenge you at the third level, running deep digs, corner routes, you know, things like that, that all of a sudden, you know, change how you defend him. Right. Uh, so I think, that's where the growth for me in particular has, has really hit another level. And that's why I feel like his floor is a little bit higher because he's not just this semi-polished receiver with great right. size and, and ball tracking ability. Now he's got some speed on the top end of it. Like so, a Jaden Greathouse is kind of, that's you're describing right. Jaden Greathouse. Right. Right. In his, in his, you know? in his backyard, right. High right. school rival of his, which that, that will be fun to track uh, down the line. Right. Uh, obviously the Irish in it. So, uh, I think that that's why I'm higher on his floor. Um, but I do still think that his his room to grow relative to a Carnell Tate is totally different. With Carnell, you're just like, hey, man, put on some size. You know, you don't right. know how explosive that's it. he's it's going to get. It's the physical growth. Right. Right. You don't know how explosive Carnell is going to be. Is he ever going to take the top off of a, off of a defense without doing it with, with technique? Probably not. But everything right. else is already there. So with Braylon, it's the opposite. We know now – he can challenge right. the top of the defense, but can he figure out the other stuff right. uh, in the meantime? And that's which, more you know, coachable, John. That's the that's thing. Coachable. That's coachable. Exactly. That's more, that's more something I can, as a receivers coach, I can teach that. I can't. And I think the thing about his speed is interesting is the kid averaged like 12 something yards of catch last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's a lot of short stuff you'd see uh, in this. Ryan and I had this discussion when, when we first broke down his film, because it's like, you don't notice the speed at first. There's about seven or eight clips on there where you're like, okay, that's different. Because, again, I think that's where the technique gets into it. You know, Smitty and I have been talking about this for years. I mean, a kid could be fast, but if he doesn't know how to play football, he's not going to look fast, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if he's not confident in what he's doing, he's not going to look fast. But then you see Braylon on a couple of those kick returns where he kind of catches that edge. You're like, oh, okay, there it is, right? (laughs) But you're like, okay, when's it going to show up on football? Well, then, as as we reported earlier – I've got results from a camp he was at where he he ran a four four seven, jumped thirty eight inches, and had a thir- hundred thirty inch broad jump, right? Uh, not hundred thirty, yeah, hundred thirty inch. Ryan, was that was that what I said earlier? It was it was like ten ten, right? So, yeah, something like that. that, yeah. that so that's like okay, there's some explosiveness there that, according to Smitty, we're starting to see now show more and more on the football. I remember Brian called me one time, and, and what was it you said to me, Brian? He's like there's nobody that's going to cover this kid deep or something like that. Like he was just killing people, whatever thing you were at. Like, cause once his legs get girl and it's like, I mean, he's just going to, 
He's just going to chew you up and just run by you. What, well, that's when, what you want to see. When I was at Under Armour and they were doing one-on-ones, Dallas area is ridiculous with defensive backs. And I get it that it's an offensive advantage thing. I get that. But he made guys that were three to four inches shorter than him look bad. Not like beat them, but look bad. And that's the difference. Usually guys that are 6'3", cannot make people look bad in open space with stop and start moves, spin moves, et cetera. And that's what Braylon can do. He reminds me when I was growing up in Indiana, one of those guys that cross over and cuts through the lane and dunks on somebody, but he's just doing it on a football field now instead of a basketball court. And that's fine. So his hop is, as Ryan likes to talk about his ability to get off the floor is fantastic. He's long and he's fast. What's not to like. (laughs) So, John, looking at it from this standpoint, you know, last year, obviously, Notre Dame came up way short numbers at receiver. Lost C.J. Williams, who was an SI-99 guy. Um, you know I love that. Even when he left Notre Dame, you know, went to USC, I was like, that kid, you know, we got to move him up the rankings because he's, he's a volume guy, completely different type of player. Lost him more in Walker, which I don't care. Uh, but the, to me, to be able to put a Tobias Merriweather, who who we had ranked 46th overall last year, with a Braylon James in back-to-back classes, that's what Notre Dame has been doing in a long time. We've seen a kid here, a kid there, but to land a couple 6'3-plus guys, the thing I like about it is they do a lot of similar things, but they're still different players. It's like what Bray, Braylon, like we know that Tobias can be a great route runner, can, can do things after the catch and do all those kind of things. You say, okay, how how explosive is he really going to be? Braylon's the exact opposite, but also even though there's a lot of similarities, we know he can stretch the field. I love that compliment of Tobias and and Braylon in the same in the same receiving core. And if Notre Dame's going to close the gap and have the kind of talent on offense a lot of these other teams have, it's going to take more and more Tobias Merriweather's and Braylon James's. And now you're starting to see them add some of those guys to their to the roster. Agreed. Big receivers with speed. I mean, that. What more could you want? Like, mm-hmm. like Brian Smith said, you know, it, it's one thing to to get a slot uh, who can do some things. Maybe a, a guy who's great laterally and and can break you down in the short to intermediate game. But when you get bigger guys who can take the top off or challenge the third level of a defense, it just, it changes your entire offense. Um, so, it, it, and and when you talk about running the football on early downs. That helps as well right. when you're six two six three with that basketball frame, that upside down <laughs> triangle that we talk about. I mean, hip to back or hip to shoulder, upside down triangle. Now you got long arms on top of that, so it just really maximizes what you do um, it, both in, in the pass and run game and even the extension of the run game in, in the short uh, screen, uh, jet sweep, bubble screen kind of game. I just started thinking about Notre Dame running a play action game with a Harry Heastan coached offensive line, and. <laughs> You know, a, a post dig or post drag combination with Tobias Merriweather and Braylon James in a couple of years. You know, I mean, you, you seriously start thinking about that though, with the way Notre Dame recruits tight end and how well they've been doing it running back. That's what you need, though, right? Like you need that yeah. individual player that says, "Hey, you want to go cover our tight ends? You want to do this, and you want to try to cover me one on one? That's fine. It's about and Colsey ain't slow right. either now, right? But but that's <laughs> the point, though. You're starting to yeah. you've now had you know Colsey and Styles. And then Tobias and now Braylon. The thing is now, however, guys, is it can't be just like those other classes where it's like a guy here, a guy there. They've got to really start loading up. But this is certainly a great way to start. But this is, John, you talked about this. This is such a deep receiver class that Notre Dame has to take advantage because there's a need there. 
they have to take advantage and get at least two of those those high level guys in this class. Yeah, when when you talk about even just in Florida where where me and Brian live, I mean it's there's twenty to twenty five like power five receivers in the state of Florida, and that number's mm-hmm. growing. Like Brian's talking about, like we we went to the camp a couple weeks ago. This kid Tyree Patterson looks like Braylon James physically. No power five offers. We write mm-hmm. about him. Florida offers the next day. Now he's committed to the Gators. Like. It's it's a loaded class at the right. wide receiver position, uh, so you have to contend with the very best. And obviously, you know, Carnell Tate is is maybe the cream of the crop today, um, but there's a lot of other guys behind yeah. him or in that group in that conversation that Notre Dame's going to have to factor in for before all is said and done. But again, winning a national battle provides some of that name recognition and kind of that. Oh, okay, like. Notre Dame. Okay, he went to Notre Dame. You know, kids see that. And that, that's that's another thing we probably don't talk about enough. Right. Kids are keeping an eye on all this stuff. You think oh. we're on social media a lot as adults? These kids live on it, you know, and they and they'll have the school oh, yeah. before we do. They they they've known yes. Braylon's going to Notre Dame. So that stuff matters too because these kids travel and these kids talk uh, a ton. Um John was just talking about all the talent in Florida and Florida and Texas are comparable. Uh John just so you know, you're going to be helping me with an article that I literally have them on my screen right here. There are about 40 power five receivers in the state it's, of Florida. It's and an I'm, insane, I'm not exaggerating. It's an insane receiver I'm not class. exaggerating. It just, it's an insane receiver class. And I'm talking about kids not just like barely sneak in. Yeah. At the bottom half, there are kids that have offers from Miami and Florida State and stuff of that group. And Texas is exactly the same. So your point about Notre Dame has to recruit Texas? Uh-huh. Absolutely. You got to do it. I think that's something that helps Notre Dame too, because some of these kids are going to start getting scooped up by those schools, those Southern schools, which means, you know, maybe those schools, like in some years, and here's a guy we broke down the other day, Micah Tease, Ryan and I broke down when we were doing the defense backboard. He wants a shot on offense. Well, you're talking about a kid from Booker T. Washington High School in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's, you know, Oklahoma's not really in, in a great position for. I think in other years, you'd have more SEC schools going up to try to get him. But because it's so deep in their backyard, maybe he's not getting the national attention he normally would, which, again, that plays well for Notre Dame if they're going to give him a shot at receiver. And and there's a lot of guys. You know, Ronan Hannafin's a guy like that. Like, how hard do you want to push for Ronan Hannafin if you think he's going to go to Notre Dame if there's other kids in your backyard? And I think all of those things kind of, to me, are to Notre Dame's advantage. And, and some of these kids that want to wait, you know, Notre Dame, there's a lot of schools that are going to be like, you know, like Cardinal Tate right now is trying to play that game. There's, if anybody, hey, look, buddy, we love you, but I don't know if you noticed, but there's like six of you this year, right? Like, <laughs> it's fine. We'll go We'll go get this other kid. And, and you know, some of those, not Cardinal Tate per se, but, you know, some of those kids are like, hey, look, maybe they're not in on Notre Dame right now, but you got to stay in the game because those schools may fill up and that kid may still be on the board, you know? And, like, Brian, I know there's a kid that you and I are both super high on in Florida that I hope can start showing more interest in Notre Dame because I know Notre Dame loves him. And if they're able to get him, I mean, that's where you start talking about, you know, gap closers about gap erase and that's Tyler Williams. And I said two weeks ago when we thought that Cardinal, we still thought two weeks ago that Notre Dame had a real good shot with Cardinal Tate. We went on the message board and we were talking receivers. And I said, the two guys with the highest ceiling on the board for Notre Dame in this class. And two of the guys with the highest ceilings in the entire class are Braylon James and Tyler Williams, even more than, I mean, to me, much higher ceilings than Cardinal Tate. I mean, that that's – but, again, Tyler Williams, in my opinion, doesn't have Tyler J- Braylon James' personality, you know, the engaging – but he is also a kid, Brian, that you've told me isn't just a football player. He's a kid that that who comes from a family where 
the academic piece is going to matter a, a lot more than what you typically find at a public school in the state of Florida. Well, he goes to Lakeland High School. And for those of you who don't know, Polk County in Florida per capita, it's a bunch of small towns all connected. They're all very competitive. It's the 863, the whole nine yards. It's very inclusive. Talent-wise, it's as good as any area in the country. And I know John can back that up. We, we live very close to it. It's the next county over from where I live. And I'll, I'll go see him next Monday. I can go see any kid I want in the state of Florida next Monday, and I'm going to see Tyler. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's special, Coincidence? No. And, and he was a quarterback 12 months ago. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. We went to um, one of Lakeland's last games of the regular season because he had just started to pick up some steam. Like, hey, this basketball player was a quarterback, and then he transferred to Lakeland. Now he's playing receiver. I mean, but watch him, you know, late in the season. We're like, oh, this isn't just one of those basketball players. Like, <laughs> this is a guy that can legitimately, you know, take over a game in football, right. which is so hard to do in any state, much less Florida. So you, you kind of got intrigued on that first impression that every time since, he's been better. So he's getting better in very short order with all those natural gifts. So, yeah, it's it's a loaded year. I mean, if if it took us this long to talk about Tyler Williams, I mean, that, that shows you how loaded right. the year is. But uh, it, it's going to be good for, for the big boys. I, I've, I've said that earlier today. You know, your Notre Dames, your Ohio States, your Alabamas, they're going to have great receiver classes because the pool at the top is so deep with the wide receiver boards, even USC, I would, I would think is going to have a great receiver class this year because there's that many great wide receivers to pull from. So it's going to be interesting. There's not as many schools going out West to get the best of the West coast because they don't need to. Right. You know, they're, they're sitting there in their backyard and, and that, that factors into it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You talk about Tyler Williams, but I feel like 20 years ago, guys like Tyler Williams and Braylon James are, are two guards, you know, going to rice or something like that to play basketball. Right. And, and those are the kind of guys I love. And, and I mean, that's what LSU's receiving core in 2019 was built around. Right. It was those tall. I mean, Jamar Chase was a small guy at six <laughs> one, you know, two ten. He was mm-hmm. the small guy. I mean, Justin Jefferson was at six four. You know, Terrace Marshall was what, six three, six four. They had another kid on that receiving core who was like six two. And I cannot remember his name for the life. I mean, it's so many dang kids. I mean, that, that that's it, though. Right. It's it's. Because what you have to have in today's offense, guys, and, and back to Braylon James, and this is why, John, you mentioned this. This is why it's so important. You have to have guys that can just beat people. I mean, you at some point in time, you can scheme your way, and Notre Dame's been this way. You can scheme and out-talent your way to, to 10 wins a year against mediocre competition. But you want to beat Bama. You want to beat Clemson with some consent. You want to beat Ohio State. You have to start having some kids that are like, okay, yeah, your dude is good, but – we have guys now at receiver that can just go beat you, right? And that's what Clemson had in 2018. I mean, just that, who do you take out? You know, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. Okay, fine. You got Amari Rogers. You've got Hunter, you know, Renfro. I mean, that's what you need. Guys that like somebody, you got to single cover somebody, mm-hmm. right? And when, when you do that, whoever's not, whoever's being single covered is going to beat you. And that's to me what a guy like Braylon James has the ability to do that they just haven't had enough of on their, they've had a Chase Claypool but there wasn't a second Chase Claypool on the roster, right? They've had a Will Fuller, but there wasn't a second Will Fuller on the roster. That's the difference between Notre Dame and all these other programs is they'll have a great receiver. Michael Floyd was a monster, but who was like opposite him? It was like a young TJ Jones. It was Daniel Smith. It was Robbie Toma, where these other schools are like, oh, it's Jordan Jefferson, but who's with him? Jamar Chase, <laughs> Ter- you know, Terrace Marshall. I mean, yeah. and that's where Notre Dame's got to get to, and that's why getting Tobias and Braylon in back-to-back years right after getting Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey 
is is so so important for Notre Dame. Guys, thank you all both so much for joining. Any other comments that you guys would like to make about Braylon James or the Notre Dame class or, or anything else like that? Feel free, Brian. We'll we'll go ahead and kick it off with you, John. I'm sorry, I got to go, Brian, first because he is the Notre Dame fan. So you know, we, we got we to give him. The <laughs> I ball. get it. I get it. I do got my green on though. You see the green? Yeah, the you blue? did. You did. You I'm see? digging it. I'm digging Colorful it. Color coordination. Notre Dame green, but it's all good. It's all good. Think, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. I just Progress. want to. I just want to see Notre Dame and. Driscoll and I have talked to this a couple of years. They need a slot receiver that other teams fear because then guys like whether it's Tate or Raylan James, whoever you put around them, they're always single covered and they're five yards automatic and they make the first guy miss, they can score. Notre Dame doesn't get enough of those guys. I want them to see them get somebody with this big group that's a move around guy. There's two guys on the board that fit that bill for me, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Ryan uh, and Ryan and John. And that is obviously Rodney Gallagher is Absolutely. one. And the other is Micah Tease. If he is if Micah Tease is set on being a receiver, I think he brings some of that as well. I think those are they are still good. they still going after Tease or is that oh, yeah. determined? Okay, no, no, they're, they're okay. very they're, the only question with Micah Tease is they want him bad. They've wanted him for a while. He's been on campus three times. It's offense or defense. They like him probably a little bit more on defense. He wants to play offense, and their name staff is like, fine, you'll play offense? We'll play offense, right? Uh, but they they also like him a lot on defense. But to me, I think a, the dream scenario is you get Gallagher, he's on offense, and then Micah T, you know, Micah T's can be a defensive guy if he can't stick on offense. Although I think Micah, even though he's not the biggest guy, has some outside receiver to him, uh, kind of like a, a Braden Lindsay, you know, type of Lorenzo Styles type of guy. But I think you have to get one of those two guys, to your point, Brian, to, to get that complementary unit to where you're not just a bunch of big trees. Because yeah, that's what comes that, right? You had the two trees on the exactly. outside, but you had Amari Rogers and you had you had Hunter Renfro. And that's I've argued this before, and Ryan and I have talked about this on the show. The fact that Clemson didn't have that kind of guy last year with all those giants was a big part of the reason their, their spread offense doesn't work. You need guys that can do damage after the catch, and they recruited a bunch of pro-style, big, tall receivers like Joseph Ngata and – you know, and all these other kids, Frank Bo Ladson. Collins and all, mm-hmm. right, Frank Ladson. And they didn't have that guy, to your point, Ryan, that you can throw a bubble screen to and he's going to make people miss or he's going to make a guy miss on a slant route and outrun him, whereas LSU went the opposite direction where that's all they had at receiver <laughs> in, in, in the last couple of years. And same with Ohio State. I mean, Alabama State, too. Alabama yeah, too. Alabama's that yeah. way. Yeah. Ohio yeah. State's been that way where basically they just got three slot guys and they just, well, one of you get, you know, I mean, so – if you're going to err on the side of it, I, I I like the air of citing on the bigger guys with a slot guy. That's just my personal preference, especially Notre Dame with who's more of a pro style type of offense is going to run the ball. Uh, but even in that type of offense, you got to have at least one guy, hopefully a couple that can can be that turn a four yard hitch into a big play. Exactly. That's going to be the best. That's all I'm asking. That's right. <laughs> so are we assuming the Jalen Brown ship has sailed here or yeah, I mean it just I think once Miami's new staff uh-huh. came in and the, the, you know they, they made a run at him, had a couple different coaches made a run at him, and there just wasn't enough. I mean, just not a willingness to come up and visit and a lot of that stuff. So I think I think probably Jalen's dad liked Notre Dame a little bit more than Jalen did. I agree. Is kind of what it comes down to. And and yeah. No, I'll say this: This staff has been much better about recognizing that, and knowing that at the end of the day, we're not getting a kid that doesn't like us, but his parents do, right? Right. And even if we can convince him to commit, he's going to flip because eventually the parents are going to let the kid go where he wants to go. And so I think they kind of bowed out. Plus, they they, they kind of looked at it as like Jalen Brown and Rodney Gallagher is very similar, like fit for their offense. 
And I think they like the fact that Jalen is more of a Kevin Stefferson, like yeah. stretch the field route runner, where oh, Rodney's more of a take a screen a and football player. Right. And yeah. I think they kind of felt that fit a little bit better than maybe Jalen, who's a different body type than Braylon and Carnell and Ronan Hannafin and those guys. But his game is, is there's more care in his game to those guys than what a Rodney Gallagher or Micah Tease has. I think it's kind of part of it as well. How many receivers do you think they would take? They need at least four. I think they would take five if one of those guys was like a Micah Tease type of player that could also be a defensive. Like if they, if they were to get a five man, just hypothetically, let's say they get, and I'm just going to like, since I'm in a good mood, let's say they get Braylon James, Tyler Williams, Rodney Gallagher, Ronan Hannafin and Micah Tease. Two of those guys flat out can play defense if you need to. Now, you know, Ronan Hannafin, they like that's going to be one of those ones where you've got two staff like just battling for who, who <laughs> like, Notre Dame loves Ronan Hannafin. It's like, uh, where, where's he going to play? The receiving coaches and the offensive coaches say, hey, he needs to be an offensive guy. The defensive coach is like, no, 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 he needs to be over here on defense. But the point is, is that he he's a guy that can do both. So you can have a bigger class when a couple of those guys are legit four star or however you want to rank it, defensive type of players. And that's why I think that that's the only way they can get to five, Brian. Because if if you just have five guys who can only play one position receiver, yeah, it's got to be balanced. you're gonna lose somebody. Once once the fifth guy realizes I'm the fifth guy, right? He's gonna say, "Oh, transfer portal, here I come." Where you know another guy may say, "Hey, look, you know, I I think I could play here in time, but I know I can go move over to cornerback and help them out right now." And that's the Xavier Watts type of guys. And Notre Dame's made a killing on guys like that. I mean, Kavari Russell. They have for 35 years. I mean, you know, go, yeah. I mean, go, I mean, I, we were talking to the show the other day. Like, I was looking at some of old Notre Dame's recruiting class. Like, Jeff Burris was listed as a running back. Todd Light was Jeff listed Burris, as a receiver. You know Burris I mean? like, was, was the best running back Dame's, in high school. Yeah. And there was one year Notre Dame signed like seven running backs. Yeah. But they knew two, two of them stayed a running back. They knew that. Yeah. Exactly. Notre Dame had four number one classes in a row, and right. they signed like one corner in four years. No kidding. Right. But yet they had four. They signed four running backs. The second round. Tom Carter, yeah. I think, was listed as a running back coming out of high school. He, was, he uh, played quarterback. Yeah. He played quarterback. Yeah. So they didn't sign any corners and they just kept moving guys. Yeah. And it, they produced first and second round picks out of it. Yeah. They're recruiting football okay. players. I wrote an article about this the other day, guys. It's like there's four kids that you look like Micah Bell, the kid from Houston. Oh, like, he's tremendous. Kid's a, I mean, but he's he, right now he's a better offensive player than he is a defensive Ooh, player. Yeah. It's like okay, but his upside is body type is better on defense. Mm-hmm. He can and fly. Yes, yes. Uh, he 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 can move. And I mean, but that's the thing is, if you're able to get a kid like that on defense and Jeremiah Love and Micah Tease, and then you got a six three kid like Braylon James who can run a four four seven. Just recently ran a. His dad sent me a video of him running a thirteen nine in the hundred ten meter hurdles. You know, I mean, you start, that's that's but that's where Notre Dame needs like more of those guys, you know, not just one guy that can run, but four of them. And that's what made the 2015. We've talked about this, Brian, with better coaching and and, and a little bit more luck at a quarterback not getting hurt. That That's the team that Notre Dame had the best chance of compete for a championship because they didn't just have one guy that could run. I mean, Will Fuller was a four three. Chris Brown was a four four. Amir Carlisle was a four four. CJ Procise was a four four. Josh Adams was a four four. I mean, you just had guys that could run. Cardinal Kavari Russell was a four four. Cole Luke was a four five. Matthias Farley ran a four four five at the pro shuttle. He even started safety. He started a full year for the Indianapolis Colts, but you know he couldn't start for a, a you know a, a full season at Notre Dame. So um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. So 
guys, I, I appreciate both. Of you. If you guys want to hang around, we're gonna we're gonna do a Q and A. I know Ryan, you gotta you gotta get out of here. Ryan, anything you'd like to add before uh, before you you because Ryan's got a long day ahead of him. He's heading to South Bend <laughs> tomorrow. So yeah, I'm from Jersey. Yeah, spring game, Brian. It's coming up for the spring game. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice ten hour drive, man. It's gonna be fun, and and with a fourteen month old, so it's gonna be even more fun. Uh, <laughs> there but you go. hey, man, it, it this was a long time coming, obviously, Brian. Right? Like we hadn't haven't seen a commitment for Notre Dame since Preston Zinter a couple a couple months ago. So twenty twenty three, yeah, it's yeah, not twenty twenty, yeah, exactly. So needed needed it to get off to a good start, obviously, uh, on the offensive side of the football. Right before this, Cedric Irvin Jr. and Cooper Flanagan were the only commits in the class. So getting a guy like a Braylon James, we keep talking about when when is the offensive class really going to get kick started? This well, could be the start of something. Yeah, coming, and, so. and I think that that there's a I think this is going to start a snow, little snowball effect. I think you're you're going to see in so the next too. week or so, probably a couple more guys on offense jump on board. So yep. this is a good. Somebody's got to be that first, right? And then maybe after a couple more, it's like, hey Dante, look what. <laughs> yeah, wait till the quarterbacks <laughs> jump in, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. we'll we'll see, but. Um, I, I just confirmed that I'll uh, see a certain running back from Columbus next Friday. So we'll see how okay. he goes too. Okay. There you go. There you go. All right. So um, Brian, thanks for joining us. You guys, if you guys want to hang around and answer some questions, you're more than welcome to, uh, but <laughs> okay. uh, I got to run. I got to run, man. I got, I got the heat playoffs. Yes. I know oh the Hawks suck, but stuff. come on now. We're chasing another chip now. So <laughs> I'm going to run. I'm going to run to that one. <laughs> Have fun with that. Hey, John, thanks for being <laughs> with us today, man. I appreciate you as always, buddy. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Brian. So Brian's got his Florida Gator shirt on today. Not really sure what that's what that's all about. Whenever I go to a game yeah. somewhere, I just pick up a shirt. Yep. I know. I remember you used to have like a North Carolina shirt, Duke shirt. It's like, yeah, it's $5. I've got all kinds of stuff more down here. It was back in the day. Uh, Ronnie T'Challa has not been with us for a while. Good to see you, Ronald. Hey, all been a while. Wanted to be on for a live commitment. Maybe this will get the ball rolling on the offensive side of the ball. Brian, I, I brought up Ronnie. I wanted to save Ronnie's comment, first of all, because it's been a while. We we love Ronnie. He was one of the OGs on this cha- channel. But also, I do believe that momentum in recruiting is a is a, a oh, real absolutely. thing in football. Explain why, Brian, because I, I I know I, I know the answer because you and I have talked about this before, but explain to people why it's so like why momentum is a is a real thing when it comes to you know really landing elite players. Garcia mentioned this earlier. Kids talk to each other. They go on the visits together, uh, especially where John and I live in central to South Florida. Every one of these kids, whether they like each other or not, they follow each other in some capacity. They text with each other. They send me messages. I get screenshots. When Johnny commits here, Timmy's interested. That stuff matters. They're all friends on seven on seven. They go to Under Armour together, etc. When somebody balls out, at Under Armour, and then they go to a school, that school becomes the hot school. And I'll say this again. I know Notre Dame fans will hate this as much as any school. Kids do not pick this. They pick the coach, and they pick comfort. Most of the kids don't care about this. Now, Braylon's kind of an exception. He's an old school guy, and that's great. But especially some of the kids like down here in Florida and stuff, you got to get them on football and comfort. And that's the academics you got to work them into and stuff. But it's everything because most of the kids down here, they don't even know what state Notre Dame's in. And I'm not exaggerating. So you have to find little ways to get interest. And now with Braywin committing, even though he's a Texas kid, he's a national top 100, 150 kid by everybody. There's no service that doesn't have in top 150. Only on three, but they have absurd rankings. Uh, on threes. They had Devin Brown as the number one player in the country last year. So, I mean. Whatever. No comment. Um, Dante Moore is the number 45 player in the country. I mean, that's uh, enough said. 
Yeah, I need to talk to Chad about that because that's, <laughs> that's not acceptable. Chad's a good guy, but something's failing there. Yeah, we're um, talking about Chad Simmons, obviously. We're not Chad. Chad's great yeah. in our industry, but anyway, you have to find ways to get kids interested in your school based on other kids. Now, coaches don't have as much impact as they used to. I, I talked to Benny Serrato once. And he told me flat out, this is hilarious. He goes, I was glad when signing day came because I was tired of talking to these kids every day. Well, now they don't have to do that as much. Number one, it's text. Mm -hmm. Number two, everybody communicates and they got all these analysts and different stuff. And then they have the recruits recruit for them. When Mm -hmm. Fisher was being recruited, remember how much of an influence he was for Notre Dame? And he was an offensive lineman, which is bizarre, but he was the Pied Piper. I'm not saying, I mean, I've met Dante. He was a big time player. That's yeah, yeah. Thing. Not just a talkative come to Notre Dame guy. He was a top 50 guy by anybody's account. And you and I both thought he was a five-star kid. Right. And right. then when he committed to Notre Dame, I'm like, okay, well, they got an alignment. And then I'm like, holy cow. I've never seen alignment for any school be a bigger Pied Piper. Not right. just saying that because I'm a Notre Dame fan. Well, and we've talked about this with Drake Bowen. I mean, it's fine that Drake Bowen's a local kid and he's in all the camps. But the reason Drake Bowen matters is not because he's a local kid, or, but it's because he's a top 50 recruit. I mean, you know, whether you like it or not, if you're a big time football player, you want to play with other big time football players. That's right. And and that's the reality. I mean, it's different in basketball. It, it it's it's important. And and as you said, a lot of it, look. Let's be honest too, Brian. There's there's not a lot of kids who want to be the first. You know, there's a lot of kids who are like, yeah, I like Notre Dame, but I like Notre Dame, but I like Notre Dame, but. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, so and so's going there. Oh, Keon's going there. Okay, Peyton Bowen's going there. Oh, wow, now Braylon James is going there. Oh. You know, and, and you start going down that list, then it's like, okay, yeah, that's the final thing I need. So I, I do think that the the re, what the rest of the class looks like sometimes with big time players can be the difference between whether or not a guy is willing to say yes or to say no because he wants to make sure that if I'm going to go there, I want to make sure I'm going somewhere where I'm not going to be the only guy. I want to be surrounded by other guys because in football, especially, it's different. Kids want to win too. I mean that that that's the reality of it. The kids want to win, and 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 also, but even from a practical standpoint, if I, if I'm a D end and I'm a stud, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of mediocre, legit three star caliber players, guess what? I'm not going to have great numbers because they're just going to spend all their time focusing on me. But if I'm Keon Keeley and I know that I'm going to have Brendan Vernon on the opposite side of me, or Jason Moore inside of me, or you know players like that, then I'm I'm going to feel a lot better about staying in this class with Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Right. And, and that's the reality. I mean, Hey, if I'm a corner and I know that there's Keon Keeling, Tyson Ford and Aiden Gobira and Brendan Vernon and some other guys that are, you know, Jalen Sneed and all these other guys, Josh Burnham that are big time recruits that are pass rushing and say, you know what? That, Notre Dame may be that spot. That may be that move. So it, it really is an important thing. There's, there's no question about it. I think what you just said defines part of the other di- issue. There, there are a handful of kids you and I have talked about on the phone they would like to go to Notre Dame. They just don't want the entire time commitment and all that with the academics. It's not that they're bad kids, but they, you know, they just don't want it. It's a hell of a lot easier to accept at least thinking about it. If you're going to play with dudes, mm-hmm. if you're going to rebuild a team that's coming off a five and seven season, that's a hard pass. Yeah. You, you're at least getting a kid on campus mm-hmm. and they, what is it? They've five years in a row. They've won 10 or more games. Yeah. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, okay. They've underachieved and they've had some meat, but the kids, they don't know that like we know that who watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they just look at they them. just see 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 12 and 1, 10 and 2, 10 and 3. That's what they see. Thousand percent. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Now, my comment earlier, like a lot of the kids here in Florida, they live in what I like to call the five mile bubble. 
Mm-hmm. I live in Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville. So everything you need is in a five mile radius where you're at, period. The beach, every restaurant known to man, all the entertainment parks, anything else. They don't give a crap about where other stuff is. I ask kids all the time, where's Wake or Duke or Notre I get New York, Chicago, I get all Stanford. They don't even know what part of the country Stanford's in. Mm-hmm. So you got to go out of your way to get, and these are some of these kids are 4.0 right. kids. It's not a academic. It's just right. And that's somewhat true in a lot of places, especially the bigger states, because there is so much near you. Uh, David Flores says Golden Tate played next to Michael Floyd. No, he didn't. Not in 2010 and 2011, which is the years that Michael Floyd was the beast that he was. That's what we're referring to. Uh, not the 2008, 2000, 2008, 2009 version where Michael Floyd is hurt a, a bunch. But yes, they played next to each other. But 2010, no. They had to move Theo Riddick to rent receiver in 2010. TJ Jones was a true freshman. So that's not what we're referring to, David. Let's get to some more questions here. Corey D says, everyone, including myself, has been focusing so much on Cardinal Tate. And the reality is this, Braylon James is a stud who might be better than Tate. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think the reason that I would push back a little bit on, well, now that you got Braylon James, it doesn't matter what happens to Cardinal Tate is, that's uh, not really the way that you look at it. Yeah, it's not how that Brandon ever James, works. <laughs> you need to go get other more and more and more. I mean, and, and that's mm-hmm. what you need. I mean, you don't often see it. Look, this thing, Brian, the, the Georgias are the anomaly. What Georgia did this year is an anomaly. And it was a lot of it had to do with the fact that Alabama did lose their two best receivers. That, that game's not competitive if John Mechie and, and Jamison Williams are both healthy. It's, it's just not. It would have looked like the SEC title game. It's exactly what it would have looked like. You're not guarding those them. guys one on one. You're just so, so you know, unless you can guarantee that they're going to have, they're going to lose their two best athletes. The reality is, is it's 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 rare that you're able to go out and be what they are. I mean, look at a lot of the teams that are winning championships in recent seasons. I mean, you, you know, you look at the, to win it, right? You look at the 2020 Bama team loaded at receiver, 2019 LSU loaded at receiver with multiple big time players. Hell, Alabama's 19 receiver unit was even better. That's the best one yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, well, yeah, with Jerry Judy and well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, they had four first round picks. 2017 team also the one team that won the oh, title. Yeah. They were all young, but they were all freshmen and sophomores. Devontae yeah. Smith barely played, and he's the guy that caught the game winning touchdown in overtime of the championship game. 18 yeah. with Clemson, you had. Uh, you had um, Justin Ross, you had T. Higgins, you had you had Hunter Renfro, which a lot of people, oh, a former walk-on. A former walk-on who's now a starter in the National Football League. By the Sometimes way. it just happens, guys. Right, like, and, and you know, but the point is they had multiple NFL players, 17 Bama we talked about. You know, that's just the – that's the – I mean, that's the game. I mean, that's where it is right now. It, it's, look at Ohio State's receiver. Yeah, board. Clemson it's in 2016. Dumb. I mean, they had Mike Williams. They had multiple guys that are eventually became NFL players, and so – you know, at the end of the day, that's just where the game is right now. And in Notre Dame, so it's, I, I, I mean, I understand why we're saying that. And, and, I, and I think that part of the reason we're saying that is because, hey, it's not, I mean, this kid's a big time player. Braylon James is a big time player. It's a big time pickup. But our point is, is, well, so was Tobias Merriweather and last year's receiver class wasn't good enough because it can't just be one guy. You got to get two receivers at minimum in every class now. Right. And that's really kind of low because you're going to play four. Right. Are about thirty to forty percent of your snaps at minimum. Right, one just doesn't cut it. John A. One asks: Of the twenty-three receiver targets, does James have the highest upside? Look, John, I've said this before. You know, you saw me say this in the message board. The only two, pl- the two players in, in my opinion, uh, on, of the Notre Dame targets, the two highest ceilings to me, and I haven't really sat down and really dove into the film enough to to have a definitive answer. But it's 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 Braylon James and Tyler Williams, and I've said that for weeks. 
those are the two highest ceilings to me. And, and look, Car- Carnell Tate's grade for me hasn't changed, Brian. This isn't, he's not coming to Notre Dame. He's not, he's still a five-star player to me. I mean, he's still a big time player to me, but if we're talking upside, I mean, if everybody reaches their full potential, the two best players on the board for Notre Dame right now uh, are Braylon James and Tyler Williams. Tyler um, Williams has played receiver for eight months. Yeah. But it's about, okay, but so like to me, I, I get that, but the talent to me has to be there. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Right. When he dunks a basketball, he does it out in front of himself, not up. Right. Like, you can't teach his weeping ability. He's probably got a 36-plus-inch vertical, and he's 6'3 plus. Right. And he's smooth. There's a play on it. I think it's a kick return where he just kind of like gently hurdles a guy. Like you almost don't even see it at first. And just gets right back to right. Everything he does is just natural. Right. And him and him and uh him and Braylon are different players. And that's what I like oh, about He's you know, totally that's bad. what I like about them as a potential duo is is you're not bringing two of the same guy, right? I mean, it's like Jamar Chase and Terrace Edwards had very similar bodies, but they're very different players. And and you need some of those yeah. complementary skills. That's that's what I like about Braylon James and Tobias Merriweather is very similar sizes. Tobias is taller, but similar bodies overall, but different games. You know, there's a lot of carryover, but, you know, one guy's better here. The other guy's better there. One guy does more damage over here. The other does more damage over there. And then that's where you got to be. And so I think, but yes, I would say those are my two high ceiling guys on the board. Brian, would you, you I mean, you talked about Tyler, but would you agree that those two guys are the highest ceiling guys or well, would you would you still go with Carnell in that instance? Uh, Carnell's, the, his ability to focus mentally already, he's super mature. Right. And that kind of fits into why his route running and everything is, like next, like as a route runner, I'll be surprised if hardly any of these guys ever catch. He's going to continue to get better. Right. But athletically, I can't see him being what Tyler is. Right. I mean, that at some point you just got to be a ridiculous athlete. And Cornell is really, really good at that. Mm-hmm. But he's more skillful in terms right. of his craft. Right. And he's for people that don't know. And I worked at IMG for a while. The coaching that he's getting right now and all the the crap that he's gone through, he works. He, he was with Midwest Boom and different – he's been around the right people the whole way, and he's maximized. Mm-hmm. If if any of the other kids we're talking about had went through the same, oh, my goodness. Tyler in particular, if he'd have played with Boom and then been at IMG and stuff and f- focused on football, he'd be yeah. a top-five player nationally, regardless right. of position. So, yeah, he'd be the number one receiver. Aaron Bush says, is there a chance that if he commits to Notre Dame, that might solidify Dante, talking about Braylon James, that it might solidify Dante Moore's decision soon. Just got an annual membership. You guys rock. Aaron, thank you so much for signing up to the board. Look, Dante's going to make his decision when he's ready to make his decision. And I don't think I don't think that's going to change. I think what it could help do is, so the part I, I don't necessarily agree with you on, Aaron, is the soon part. I do, however, think it, it only solidifies it because, Look, here's the thing that we're hearing is, and Brian, this is this is the reason I'm off the Cardinal Tate bandwagon from the standpoint of can he go to Notre Dame is when we talk to people that 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 when Carnell talks to Notre Dame people, he has he's I mean loves Notre Dame, it's all great. T- tells Notre Dame coaches he loves them, but you and I have been doing this a long time, Brian. When you start hearing a different story from all the other coaching staffs and recruiting people that aren't associated with Notre Dame, that it's a complete opposite that he's saying about Notre Dame. And that tells you he's Notre Dame is just a pawn in what he's trying to accomplish, right? I mean, that's just the reality. The difference between him and Dante is 
John and I were talking about this today. Whenever we reach out to other teams that are recruiting Dante, they all have the same story. We're all chasing Notre Dame. We're all chasing Notre Dame. The only people that think Notre Dame is a legitimate player for Cardinal are is Notre Dame. And that usually is a, a sign. I mean, when we talk to people that are trying to put to flip Keon Keeley, it's we're having a hard time getting him off of Notre Dame. That's the reason he hasn't decommitted yet and flipped because he loves Notre Dame. So there's a difference there. So I think what it can help do is if there's other good players jumping on board, that's only going to solidify Dante's feelings about Notre Dame, right? But it's not going to change his decision-making because Dante is a Dante is a mature kid who has a plan, and he's going he's gonna to execute that plan. He's going to take his visits, and he's going to do it on his time. But I do think what this can do is help Notre Dame standing with him, Brian. That's where I think commitments like Braylon, and then if they're able to get some more offensive players, that's where it's going to impact. But the timing of it won't change, but how Dante feels about Notre Dame could be solidified with moves like this. Yeah, I don't expect him to make an announcement. If he's taking visits, he's taking visits. You know, it is what it is. He'll probably commit in June or July because he's enjoying the process. I personally don't care, but I also know that a lot of Notre Dame fans are very thin-skinned when it comes to recruiting, and that's just going to be more trouble for you. So. I don't think it's thin-skinned. It's more of a it's, it's it's conditioned to expect the worst. Which you is can call it whatever you want, but I call it understandable. understandable. I just, um, you know, I've been one of those. I was watching right. the Booker commitment twenty years ago. Right. I mean, I've seen it all, brother. So you know, I, I interviewed him, and you know, <laughs> it's just sometimes you just. Yeah. That's why you went. When Braylon pulled out the LSU hat at first, there. Yeah, I mean, not. I mean, that's it, exactly again, what it is. It's not that I'm thin-skinned. It's just we've been down this road. Before. Oh, and God, you don't want to get too terrible. excited because you're just waiting on that rug to be. You know, how many times can you be Charlie Brown with the football pulled out from underneath of you that you don't kind of expect it? And so I get why fans are feeling the way they do about Dante, but I would just say just let it play out, right? Just let it play out. If if I hear that there's reason to worry, I promise you I'll let you know there's reason to worry. Michael Johnson says, Tobias Merriweather, Cardinal Tate, Lorenzo Styles, and Braylon James could be a very special thing. I agree, but I don't think one of those guys is going to be part of that group. I would say replace Tate with Colsey, and we could be – we could be talking about something. Joshua Sheets is first time joining the show live. Welcome, Joshua. Love the show and the premium board. Keep up the good work, fellas. Joshua, thank you very, very much for that. David Freeman with a super chat. Thank you, David. So shout out Brian, Vince, and Ryan. Sorry, Brian, you're not you're not part of it. You're Vince for tonight. Just wanted to say appreciate you guys and keep rolling. The film, Go Irish. We definitely will. Uh, Irish 0687, Brian and Ryan, do you think that he told uh, the staff he'd pull the LSU hat stump before he is or our staff is or is our staff young enough he doesn't worry about their hearts? Um, That's a great question. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, what are they going to tell him? I mean, yeah, they, they no, don't want to mess with it. I mean, I think if anything, this staff is young enough where they may like they think it's funny. Yeah. Well, not only that, but considering who the who the hat was, I mean, you're going to run our mouth, your mouth about us nonstop down there at LSU, and you know we're still you know on your brain all the time, and you can't keep our names out your mouth, you know, Brian Kelly. Okay, we got a little something for you. It, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, it may surprise me a little bit if they told him to do that, but it wouldn't shock me. Whereas a couple of years ago would have shocked me. There's no way they would have done that, <coughs> and I'm okay with it. I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way to do the fake hat thing, in my opinion. Yeah, the he didn't way do it on the ground. Right. That's well, disrespectful. That's what Travis Hunter did with the Florida State right. hat. That was just an idiot move. Right. 
but th- that's fun. That's having some fun at your big moment. And and he did it in a mm-hmm. way that I don't have a problem with it. But I'm not going to lie. Like, because, again, I'm conditioned to expect the worst. As soon as I saw that LSU part flip up, I was like, oh, my God. Here we go. Second, I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and to that school especially, give me a freaking break. Oh, yeah. So very, very, very good question. I appreciate that. Colin McCann, where does James rank among the receivers? For me, his combination of floor plus ceiling grade is he's number two on the board for me. Carnell Tate's still ranked number one right now just because of the combination of floor plus ceiling. Uh, Braylon is number two for me. Uh, Tyler Williams is number three. Rodney Gallagher is number four. I don't have Ronan Hannafin on the board because I have him as more of an athlete. But I mean, he's a four-star top one hundred and fifty kid to me too. So I mean, that those are five really good football players that all do very different things. Hannafin's yeah. the one kid I'm not near as high on as you. Maybe it's just because the competition yeah. he plays. Perhaps it's hard there's for me a, to watch that after I'm yeah. in Florida. It's there's a and I get that, but there's a reason a kid from Massachusetts has an offer from Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, USC, it. right? It's, it's just weird because right. I'm used to watching a bad right. team that's three and seven have a power five kid down here. Right, right. But he, he's really good in my opinion. He's really good. Randy Hernandez with a super chat. Randy, thank you very much for that, buddy. He mentioned the receivers coaches contact him before Notre Dame hired him. Uh, what will what will the Notre Dame receiving class look like when it's done in 2023? Oh, gosh. Well, that's a good question, Randy. <laughs> that's I a wish good boy I, question I there. I wish I had the answer. <laughs> I wish I knew the answer, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I really You'd be do. Be the oracle if you knew that one. Yeah, if I could pull that one out of that rabbit out of my hat. You know, two weeks ago I said, "Hey, I think Notre Dame's got a legit shot at Cardinal Tate," and you see how quickly things can change. That can, that can that can move back too. This is recruiting. Perhaps you just I mean, don't know. especially if he, if he if he plays this out too long. This is the point I made earlier. If he plays, oh this yeah, out somebody's long, gonna get tired of it. They're gonna move back. Well, I don't have those offers on the table anymore, and and especially with all this stuff that Notre Dame is doing now with these nil things kind of coming out for Notre Dame. Look, they're not. The thing is, for a kid like Carnell, is do you want guaranteed money or are you willing to kind of bet on yourself knowing that you maybe could make that kind of money if you went to Notre Dame because these new things that they're doing? And I just think some kids are going to go one way, some are kids going the other way. There's going to be enough kids that are going to go one way that's going to work out for Notre Dame. Can they convince Carnell of that? It's a good question. Do they want to convince Carnell of that? I think they do. Because I think at the end of the day that – for all the games that Cardinal's playing, I, I I do think Cardinal, in his heart, likes Notre Dame a lot. It's just there's people kind of around him that are letting him know, like this is this changes our family situation here. And and some well, they're looking at it a guarantee, and, right? A guarantee. It, I I get it. Right. Notre Dame can do it too. It's just I think it's short sighted. I think it's short sighted, oh, but. Right, but at the end of the day, so I could see it changing, but I, as of right now, I just I'm not holding my breath. Oh yeah, he's a bonus. Right, and, and look, I, I want people. I want people to understand. Cardinal Tate's not a bad kid. Like, and there's this thought of it well, because he's no, got no, his hand out. He's a bad. Cardinal's a good kid. I mean, he's a good. Kid. It's just there's just sometimes you know there's kids focus on different criteria for making a decision, but this isn't all of a sudden. Cardinal's not a great player. Or he's a bad kid. Or he's you know, it's just I think I think everything he says about Notre Dame is true. I just think at this point in time, the people around him that are that are helping shape his decision don't want what Notre Dame has to offer, even if he does. And at some point in time, if if Notre Dame is where his heart is, he's gonna have to step up and say, Hey, look, I appreciate what y'all are saying, but that's where I'm gonna go. I just he does as of right now, doesn't strike me as that kind of kid. I think he's a kid that's gonna be more 
swayed by what mom and uncle and the other people around him kind of want and coaches and handlers and all the other kind of stuff. Cause that's the difficult thing for his family. Cause there are a lot of pro Notre Dame people in his family, but they're all in Chicago and he's down in Bradenton, Florida at IMG Academy. And you know, the people that are lurking around that place. Yeah. I worked and, in. I'm right. Exactly. That's why I say, you know, and that's, that's the thing that's making it hard with him, you know, and, and that's, you know, but I, I just, I just want people to, I understand that people are frustrated that they're not going to get Carnell as of right now, but I don't want this to turn into a, you know, Carnell's not a good kid or not a Notre Dame. If Carnell wanted to be at Notre Dame and decided that's what he wanted to be, be fine. Smart kid, savvy kid. He'd fit in well. So I, I just, I want to, I want to make sure that we're, we're pumping the brakes a little bit on the, the, the negativity towards Carnell and just say, Hey, look, other guys may be better, but that doesn't mean all of a sudden because Carnell doesn't like Notre Dame that he's not that he's a bad kid because he's not. He's I mean Brian, you've been you've spent time around him. Mm-hmm. He's a good kid. You know he's a good kid. I don't think he he's got some of the best people around him with his decision. But I mean he's seventeen. How many of us would be able to kind of say no to some of those people when they were seventeen <laughs> years old? Uh, he's quiet. He doesn't say boo unless you walk up to him. He's just that guy. Yeah, he he's very vocal he with this. Right, the social media stuff. Right, that's yeah. What yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's part. Qu- question for you: Speaking of Tate, if they don't get him, and they're they want to take that fourth or fifth receiver, do you think they're really open to looking at guys they see this summer and this fall, mm-hmm. or do you think Stucky is going to? Okay, this is my freaking list, man. No, the last staff was the former, and it drove yeah. me bananas. No, I think they're they're open to that. I, I think the thing with some of these guys. Brian is I think this staff understands that we've got to make sure we're committing our resources in the right directions. And I think that's mm-hmm. some of the hesitation with Tyler Williams, because if a kid doesn't re- return calls and doesn't engage with you and he's from Lakeland high school, you know, what are you supposed to think other than this kid doesn't have a lot of interest in us? You know, that's he, what he does with everybody. Right. But he, he went out and saw, he went out and visited Stanford. Right. Yep. Yep. But he won't go to South Bend. So, I mean, it's, I think they're more. I think they're more willing to 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 move off of a kid, no matter how much they like him, if because they understand we only have a certain number of resources. But I also think that if a kid pops up, they'll jump on him. I mean, we've seen that. Look, like offensive lines, a perfect example. Like when Harry, when Coach Eastan got hired in January, it was like, here's our board. Let's get on the road because we only have a, like a week on the road, a week and a half, two weeks on the road. Let's get out and see the kids that we know now. They went and saw Alkin Lola. They saw Monroe Freeling. They saw Absher. They really? saw Chagusa, guys that are on the board, Austin Saravel. Then when he got back from that, he sat down and said, okay, now let me look at re- – and that's how San- how that- that's how they got on Sam Pendleton because he wasn't a kid that the previous staff had offered. After Harry kind of worked through the already on the board, okay, what else is out there? That's what they offered Elijah Page. That's why he went after Sam, you know, after Sam Pendleton because it was like, okay – I got the board that I inherited. There's some kids I love from that board. We'll keep recruiting, but let's find some other kids. And so they've shown that willingness to do that. It's just right now they're still in on a lot of their top guys. I mean, they're still in on Jaden Greathouse. They're still in on Rodney Gallagher. They're still in on Ronan Hannafin. They're still in, obviously, on Braylon James. Uh, but they're they're from what my conversation has been, they're more than willing to expand the board. So if, you know, let's just say, for example, Tyler Williams or his – mother reached out to Notre Dame and said, Hey, you know what? Yeah, we, we have interest and let's, let's figure something out that I think Notre Dame would say would go full steam ahead on him. Uh, so it's, it, I think that's really the the thing that, that, that I, that, that's how the best way I would describe it, Ryan. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's what I have gathered from the staff so far. 
All right. Well, I got to run. I got my own podcast to knock out. Sounds but, uh, good. This was fun, man. I uh, yeah. hopefully I get to come on and uh, talk about some other. I don't. Do they have anybody else coming up? Decision wise, I can't think of anybody. But- well, Sam Pendleton's making a decision on Monday. It's going to be between Notre Dame, Florida, Michigan, and NC State. That's the offensive lineman I was just talking about. So he announced this morning. Yeah, because you were you were traveling today. So he he announced this morning mm-hmm. that he was going to he was going to have a commitment on Monday. And um, I, that's a, that's a I, I would just tell people to to pay attention this weekend to other things is all I would say to to people, Brian. And I'll give you a chat shout later. And, and we'll, ah, well, that's important. All right. Well, thank you very much, man. You all have a great Brian. night. Appreciate it, man. I'm going to get to some more questions here before we get out of here because we do still have some more questions. I want to make sure we get everybody here. Marky Stewart, my guy, Mark. Thank you, Mark, for being a part of the chat. I haven't seen you in a while, but it's good that you here, you're here, and thank you for the super chat. Has Cardinal Tate officially eliminated Notre Dame? Has Notre Dame stopped recruiting Tate? Neither. Or, yeah, Notre Dame is still recruiting Cardinal Tate, as far as I know, and Cardinal Tate has not eliminated Notre Dame. This is more at Irish Breakdown. We've heard enough smoke to realize that, that right now Notre Dame is not a factor, no matter how much they're trying, but they're still recruiting him, from what I understand. Uh, they still like him. They still think he's a fit. They still think he's a good kid. They just they understand what they're up against. But my understanding is that they are that they are still on him at this point in time. Terry Howie with a great observation. He said Marcus Freeman's genuine honesty and caring about recruits is having a major impact on recruits and their parents. And I think that's a big thing when you talk to to Braylon's dad and you listen to Braylon talk tonight. Uh, I mean, he, he said, you know, what was the pitch, right? That was the question. Like, what was, what were they selling? And his thing is like, they weren't selling anything other than just genuine relationship. And, and I think that's a really important thing. I think that's a very important piece of this whole recruiting process. Notre Dame has to do it differently. It, it, again, is it harder to recruit in Notre Dame? Sure. Does that mean you can't have top three to five classes every year? No, it doesn't mean that you just have to find the right niche to, to present yourself as something different. And I think this staff has done that because, and partly because it is, and I think you said it, Harry, it's genuine. I think that's just who Marcus is. That's who the coaches he's hired are. I mean, Chancey Stuckey doesn't have to, Hey, let's, let's sell the relationship angle. That's just who he is. I mean, that's, that's part of what he values. And I think that's partly why Marcus Freeman hired the staff that he hired was because he wanted people that were going to, that's just who they were. And I think that was important to him. So, and, you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out from here on out. Got another comment and uh, from Colin McCann. He says, watching some of Braylon's film, he can definitely navigate an open field, some real yak potential. I agree. That's the one thing that's unique about him and Tobias Merriweather, but especially Braylon is they do have some after-the-catch stuff, which a lot of the bigger guys in their name has had recently haven't really had. You know, Miles Boykin wasn't doing anything after the catch. Chase could a little bit. You know, but it was, more, you know, he, he could do some things, but not quite like these two kids, in my opinion. Irishman7114 asks, which of these do you think is closest to committing? Hannafin, Jason Moore, Pendleton, Lamar, or Houston? I would say the closest, I mean, I would expect of that group, obviously Pendleton. I mean, that's cheating because he announced today he's going to be doing it on, on Monday. I would say probably Pendleton and Jaden Lamar, are the two kids that are closest to making a decision of that group. I could see Devin Houston maybe doing something in May. I could see maybe see Jason Moore doing something in May. I could see maybe Ronan Hannafin doing something in May, but I think right now he would like to like to take visits. But uh, yeah, I think the, of the of the guys that you mentioned, I absolutely believe that that Pendleton and Lamar are probably the probably the two best the two best bets for as far as from a timing standpoint. 
All right, let me get through here to see if there's any more super chats that that I might have missed. I hope I didn't miss anybody's super chats, but I just want to make sure I get those before we shut this bad boy down. I appreciate everybody being a part of this tonight. Hey, before you go and before we wrap up, and again, we're not done just yet, I want you all to make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. We have been kind of demonetized, I said, because of that song that was playing in the tweet. So I kind of had a feeling that was happening. It is what it is. Uh, but so that's why I really appreciate the super chats that came along today very, very much, but I don't even care. This has been a fun show and, and, a, and a great crowd tonight. So I uh, appreciate everybody being a part of it. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, and, uh, just kind of be, uh, be, be rocking and rolling. So we'll have, we'll talk some more team stuff tomorrow. Ryan is going to be traveling tomorrow. And so he will not be able to, we will not be doing, we probably not do the, the, the uh, O-line show tomorrow, but we're going to try to get that done here uh, pretty soon as well. But uh, that's going to be it for now, everybody. I appreciate everybody being a part of the show tonight. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great people, some, a lot of first-time people. Uh, as my guy may say, Kay says, join the message board, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, share the podcast, give a five-star review, troll LSU, and go Irish. So, everybody, Appreciate y'all very much for being, being part of the show. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I want to see everybody be back next time. As you all know, we'll be back tomorrow, 1230 Eastern time in the afternoon. Appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, we will talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.